Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's uh, Wes, Andy, and Hank, and we are back again with uh, part four of our uh, little limited series here that we like to call The High Ground. It's our uh, deep dive uh, Star Wars review series where we are taking a look at uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi with, like, all the detail that you would expect from an electron microscope. (laughs) (laughs) If this is your first time with us, Welcome. Nice to have you along for the ride. We, uh, we appreciate the support. I hope you enjoy uh, the experience. And if you've been with us all along, well, you guys know what this is about, and we thank you for uh, sticking with us. I just want to take a couple seconds and uh, talk about some housekeeping points, which we're still kind of working through. Um, as I noticed that right now, our YouTube feed is not currently functional. I'm not sure why that is, but we will get that fixed up. Um, as you know, we were we are part of a, a larger uh, podcast network, a larger uh, production organization, Sawcast Productions. Um, but I've listened and I've heard you when you say that it is incredibly difficult to find our live streams because of that. So um, we've actually taken the time to uh, create a shiny brand new YouTube channel, the Fandom Power Podcast YouTube channel. And uh, we hope that uh, that will make it much easier for you to find our content. The other thing uh, that came up was, and this is kind of partly my own fault, was that um, uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, Facebook actually changed the way that uh, groups work, um, specifically where the, the everybody remember the big Facebook data breach? Yes. Yeah. So after the data breach, they really kind of, they worked, you know, very hard to to fix that. And so... If you, if you had a, a private group, uh, that means the only way to get into that group is if you were invited by somebody who's already in it or uh, through an email link. And I, and I, you know what, I'm not, I mean, I want to be in your life, but I don't want to be intrusive about it. I want you to come to me, so I'm not going to ask you for your email address. I just don't think that's the right thing to do. And, uh, you know, for the, the 60 odd people that were in our old uh, private group, um, hopefully by now you've, you've seen that we've created a brand new Facebook group. That's the fandom power, 
uh, podcast discussion? discussion group. That is a public group now. So that should, I mean, we are, we are strictly fandom across the board. That being said, we are still proudly a Sawcast production. So invite All right. your friends. Yes, do invite Everything your friends. Everything is new, but nothing has changed. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, on the on the YouTube thing, I just want to say um, um, it is a slow going process. If you've if you've ever tried to migrate a YouTube channel before, uh, there's a couple ways you can do that. One is to migrate the, the entire thing all in one shot. But the the end result is that the old channel is is closed permanently, and you lose everything associated with it. The other way is to do it one video at a time. And uh, because we share that channel, uh, the Sawcast channel with three other shows, that is the route that we are going. We are migrating those videos one video at a time. So they are trickling over slowly but surely. But with over a hundred a hundred shows under our belt, it's going to take some time. So um, going forward, new shows, they're going right to the new channel. And uh, the old content will eventually make its way over there. I hope you do go over there and give it a listen or, or give it a watch on the uh, the rewatch because uh, we're still here working hard uh, for you guys because we love what we do here. Um, all right, enough of that housekeeping stuff. We'll get that out of the way now. The episode, episode four, part four, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Guys, <laughs> what do we think? Wow. It was a good one. Fast paced, though. Shorter this week, uh, shortest one yet. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel uh, like it. It, it, it's, it, it moves perfectly. Um, and it, it is, am I wrong? And I, 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 I'm just looking at headlines. I haven't done what I did in the last few episodes and oh, sure. into the negativity, but am I sure, wrong sure. in saying that people have the most problem with this latest episode? Maybe. It, it, I don't know. There's a I, maybe? huge negative outcry here. And I, 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 I've been not reading what their beef is, but I don't understand. I almost feel like we need to build in a, a segment for the show this week right? in Toxic Fandom. Right. <laughs> is it just that it's not long enough? Like I don't know. My only beef with I, I don't know. I don't Give know. me more. People, <laughs> I see all kinds of stuff in the other fan uh, groups that we, that we frequent. Yeah. And they're like sure, sure. people asking questions. I've heard everybody hates this. Should I watch it? And I... Is, Ooh, is everybody this? right? Are everybody bots? Or yeah, is yeah. everybody just saying inflammatory stuff to get clicks? That's I, is that I don't what know. The internet is that's is that all that's left? I, I I'm oh, not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. I actually read I read a really good one uh, the other day, and I thought you know this. If we were going to talk about what's going on in the fan community, I'll, I'll bring up this one. This is an actual comment that I read, and I don't it, don't quote me on this because it's I'm paraphrasing here when I say that. Yeah. Uh, one comment said that. There is no toxic fandom on either side of the argument around this show that it is an ad hominem debate fallacy. <laughs> Are you saying that there's because I mean they're toxic people. We we've had them in our lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of us have removed them from our lives to have right. better lives. Who would say that toxic fandom is ad hominem debate fallacy? Who would say that? Like, I just, that <laughs> baffles me on a level that I just thought I, I'm like, wow, I feel like now I've read everything. Yeah. It's fun. It's the same sort of mentality where, you know, um, you, you can simply, you could simply find anything to offend you in, in, in any way it's put it. It could be someone, you know, I've, you've seen the comedian that, that, that somebody says, good morning. And, and he, what's so good about it? 
right there's yeah. no pleasing anyone and um <laughs> i i just think that there's a place there's got to be a way to have a cool-headed even-headed debate about you know or our conversation so, that's too. all we're talking about is a conversation here but it seems it's so it's either framed in racism sexism or straight up idiocy which both of those things are but like well i mean <laughs> like I like i don't see a lot of like compelling arguments from that side so I'm, I'm sort of glad i'm on this side i mean like everything else on the internet it, it it's all very thinly veiled like there there's the oh i didn't i didn't say that no but this isn't my <laughs> first rodeo and you did infer and i mean the inference is enough right just like so, most yeah, bulls they backpedal when checked anyway i i agree with you on that i yeah. i agree yeah Anyway, I actually had a nice real world conversation about it this week. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Shout out to Jeff at New Books. Oh, Jeff. Uh, We were in there and there were some people debating, well, how does she know? Like, come New Hope, why does she not know that Ben is Ben? It's like, they never cross paths in a New Hope. No, they don't do that. She sends a distress message, he goes to save her, and he's dead before they're on the Falcon. Oh, that's so true. Yeah, yeah. And like, even in the message, you know, you served with my father in the Clone Wars. Maybe she's just keeping it political so she doesn't, you know, yeah, expose that previous connection. Yeah, yeah. It is a secret message. As soon as Luke says, I'm here with Ben Kenobi, she jumps up. Ben Kenobi. The elation. The elation. Yeah, right? It, ben Kenobi, played, where is he? It's played perfectly. I, Absolutely, it is. People are mental. <laughs> uh, I just want to say, uh, <laughs> Did everybody enjoy the video game episode? <laughs> yes. Because like a full what? Mirroring. One third of the visuals from this episode are are plucked uh, very succinctly from Jedi Fallen Order, which it makes sense considering how much of a set piece yeah. uh, the fortress is in that game. This one also had the most sort of uh, direct nods to the uh, original trilogy. There's heavy, heavy... Um, uh, a new hope imagery and heavy empire uh, yeah. imagery. I find big so. time, big time. I actually said the same thing. I, I you know, I, I said uh, the rhyming cyclical nature of star Wars is on full display in this episode. As we get a bunch of great callbacks that are metaphorically and thematically way deeper oh, yeah. than just these simple nods to those, uh, to those films. Yeah. It can't be lost on you guys that the first one is about rescuing a member of the Royal family and ending up on Tatooine. Yeah, like they're yeah, following. Yeah. This is the fourth episode, and this one is the most like a new hope. They're following the, the. Uh, the you know what? I had a, movies in this. I had a discussion about that earlier this week too, and it's like, okay, but are we going to get? I mean, those those Next through film lines will be the darkest. Well, Next episode maybe will be the darkest. Sure, sure. And I thought that this one, I thought this one was pretty dark at times. Um, I almost thought, well, if that's the case, should we not have nine? Should we get nine? I guess. But I mean, Obi-Wan doesn't feature in nine films. That's right. He's in what? Uh, six of them. So that's I six. guess that makes sense. Six six films with Ben, uh, six episodes of uh, his TV series. Unless he gets a second season. Yeah. You know, the, I think that the uh, the yeah, jury is out on that one. Eh, there's still 10 more years before A New Hope. I know that uh, Plenty of room. Uh, money money talks, right? Money does yeah. talk. Uh, and certainly, uh, in spite of or despite of, however you want to frame that, uh, of all the negativity, people are watching it. Yes, yeah. they are. People are in watching numbers, it in droves. Unprecedented numbers. As Ewan said, the number, uh, the highest watched uh, premiere 
so far in the short uh, short life of uh, Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> We've got our first uh, comment coming in from Facebook uh, that says six seasons and a movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Follow up comment. Well, another movie. LOL. Yeah. You know what? Uh, we've talked about it before. Uh, two out of three hosts on this show are big Obi-Wan fans. So uh, more Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, I can't argue with that. Yeah, man. That was yeah. how the conversation ended on the weekend. It's like, you know what? Yeah. If you had said 20 years ago, you'd be watching Star Wars and you would have been called crazy. But now here we are and just give us more. Yeah, and I mean, there's tons more to come, uh, especially, you know, like in the stuff that we uh, love so much here. Uh, Mandalorian's just on the horizon. Season uh, two of the Bad Batch. Two of the Bad Batch. Looks great, by the way. Uh, not that I want to make this a Bad Batch thing. What do we think of the uh, redesign of uh, they've aged up Omega? Oh, yeah. Where's the uh, time frame, Landum? Yeah. Exactly. He's had so. a growth spurt, man. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, it would be nothing for her to go from. 10 like jump three years 10 to 13 right and have puberty take that uh you know natural leap yeah uh, yeah yeah which pushes us further and further towards you know where we want to you know the, that interaction see how long these guys live through the right uh it looks great the eventual second season of boba fett where she finally meets him i still think <laughs> that there's a meeting that that need i feel like there there's a payoff there omega fett has to happen. i don't know how we're going to get to it but i do think that there's a payoff to be had there I would love to see that. Yeah, and I don't yeah. care if it's in animation or live action, as long as it happens. Certainly intertwining everything. So, Comment from Facebook. Kids grow fast, though. Yes, yes, they do. And every parent <laughs> just went, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Could be just one year. Mm, that's an interesting thought. One year, I guess. So kids have growth spurts. And uh, yeah, I mean, we've seen it happen to my own kids. My own kids did, uh, went through that. All right, guys, what do you think? You want to get into this week's episode? You want to, uh, let's crunch on this. All right, it's uh, Port, uh, Port. (laughs) It is uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi Part 4. This one debuted Wednesday, June 8th in the year 2022. Uh, This week, it's written by Joby Harold and Hannah Friedman. And of course, like the rest of the series, is directed by Deborah Chow. This one is a lean 38 minutes and 17 seconds with your recap and credits or an even leaner 30 minutes and 25 seconds without. All right. And the first thing I want to start on right here is <laughs> did everybody pick out the uh, new faces in the, uh, in the new star Wars uh, intro sequence? There's yes. enough characters. They could have a rotation going. There is. Yeah. We've got uh, uh, new faces in the form of uh, Ned B uh, our gaunt droid time clock from part one and Lola. So I thought that was kind of cool. And Lola's in blue. She is in blue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's that's going to come into play later on. That image of Lola, by the way, that is the uh, role play, uh, the, the toy from Hasbro. Nice. That's coming out. It looks to be a one-to-one scale uh, Lola uh, um, uh, toy. Lola bot. Yeah, I guess so. It looks really good. Oh, did everybody catch the Lola reference this week online? Yes. Anybody cry? No, I didn't cry, but that oh, was the, uh, cool. the yeah. Carrie Fisher yeah, the owned a bird yeah. named Lola. Yeah, that was crazy. Oh, just pulls your heartstrings. Yep. All right, guys. As the episode opens, we can see Ben lying down in the rear section of Tala's ship. 
He floats in and out of consciousness, and we can see his charred robes are fused against his skin. Tala moves to comfort him, beckoning, Ben, stay with me. You're going to be okay. We then get a series of quick cuts as we see Ben being uh, moved on a stretcher. It appears to be a camp of some sort, and uh, as they move him, we can see Tala and Ned B uh, looking down at him uh, while they walk. Tala can be heard saying, get the back to tank ready, while an unidentified male voice uh, says the back to tank is uh, this way. All right, Ben uh, getting low. Oh, we got a first comment here coming in from YouTube tonight from uh, Samantha, who says, dropping in to give my support. I'm not staying, though. I'm a horrible fan, and I haven't watched it yet, so I don't want the spoilers. That's fair. Samantha, thank you for coming along and at least dropping your comments. It's super, uh, really, really appreciate that. And when you do catch up on what's going on, make sure you come back and you watch this review series as well as all of our other review series, uh, such as The Fandalorian uh, and our Bad Batch reviews, and Order 66, our review series on the last four episodes of The Clone Wars, because uh, they are just as in-depth as these ones are. Thanks again. All connected. They are, absolutely. All right, Ben is uh, lowered into a Bacta tank uh, using a harness that's uh, very reminiscent of the one that we uh, saw Luke Skywalker suspended with during The Empire Strikes Back. Yeah, it's not a luxury tank like Boba Fett. Uh, no, it's not the, what is it? The, uh, the, the tanning bed, bed model. <laughs> uh, yeah. Back to 3000. Yeah, this is more of the uh, formaldehyde jar version. The mobile version. <laughs> That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. dunk tank. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, in a series of, uh, of uh, oh my Lord, did I miss something here? Uh, nope, we did. Uh, in a series of snap cuts paralleling one another, we flip uh, back and forth from Ben uh, to Darth Vader who now is also, uh, you know what? I think I did miss a slide. That's awful. Oh, no, it's here. It's still here. A series of snap cuts paralleling one another, flipping back and forth from Ben to Darth Vader, who now is also suspended in his personal back-to-tank on Mustafar. Ben's recovery is fitful as he thrashes about the tank, while we can hear the echo of Darth Vader's words, the years have made you weak. Vader's respirator sound permeates the sequence as Ben relives the nightmare of their most uh, recent encounter. And as the words, you should have killed me when you had the chance, uh, ring out, both men lurch violently inside their tanks. Uh, both uh, Both men's body movements mirror each other as they each relive their duel on Mapuzo until Ben is suddenly jarred awake and pulls himself up out from the tank. I think I think it's important that we uh, just pause here for a second and talk about this. This is not the first time that we've had this. Like, there's a connection. There is the the Anakin Obi Wan connection through the Force. Uh, we saw it in the um, uh, in the episode when Ben said he's coming. Yep. And maybe now got, here we are seeing it again. Maybe these dyads aren't as uncommon as Palpatine thought they were. Uh, that's entirely possible too. Or the the bond between a, a master and a Padawan is. You know, yeah, because yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I, I, I never stop watching Clone Wars and Rebels. I pretty much just start over when I finish uh, a lot lately. And I was watching uh, sure, season, sure. season six of the Clone Wars, the late season. Uh, and there's the, a, uh, the Lost Missions. Uh, yeah, where, where Dooku, uh, where Yoda is, is searching for, he hears Qui-Gon's voice. And it's pretty relevant to what's going on in the episode here, actually. Um, right, right. Uh, and... Uh, the emperor says we're going to exploit 
uh, Yoda's connection to you uh, to in order to, uh, to to try and trick Yoda into thinking yeah. he's you know re- misreceiving a message from from someone, and that's when they trick him in Cyclobius uh, in that chamber. But, okay. but so they, they actually talk about the bond between a Jedi and, and the master and student is, mm-hmm. is, you know, even though Dooku is now the, the uh, apprentice to be Dark Lord of the Sith, um, he still is connected to Yoda inexorably. So it, it's, it's neat to explore that. Uh, yeah, right yeah. Here. yeah. All right. Um... All right, so uh, scared and confused, Ben's eyes dart about the room, but Tala is there, and she does try to calm him, uh, telling him that they're now on Jabim, and his burns need time to heal. But Ben's only concern, as he uh, hauls himself out, is, where's Leia? All right, cutting back uh, to the planet Nur, we get a low shot of the Fortress Inquisitorius. It stands like a pyramid as the ocean's waves crash against it. Inside the fortress, Leia sits in an interrogation room, and despite being restrained in a pair of child-sized binders... Maybe the same ones they used on Grogu? Uh, well, no, I think Grogu's would be much, much smaller. Maybe. Um, yeah, so despite being uh, restrained in a uh, pair of child-sized binders, she remains as defiant as ever as she shouts, You can't keep me here! My father is Bail Organa, an Imperial Senator! angrily declaring that she's a princess of Alderaan to her stormtrooper guards. But then the door opens and Reva strides in, telling Leia that uh, as a Jedi sympathizer, she has no rights. Ever defiant, Leia asserts that uh, he will come for me, eluding the rescue from Ben. But Reva launches into her game of psychological warfare by telling the princess that her Jedi protector is dead and no one is coming for her. And from the twitch of Leia's lower lip, you know that the words have hit their mark. Cutting back to uh, Jabim, we see a reinvigorated Obi-Wan, along with Tala, approach a lone man working on some conduit. The man's name is Roken, and he tells them that they shouldn't be there, emphatically telling Reva to put Ben on the first transport out because his mere presence is a threat to their entire operation. Ben implores Roken, saying that he needs his help, but uh, Roken callously replies, so does every kid making a rock float from here to Coruscant. Mm-hmm. Ben continues that uh, someone important has been taken, and he needs help to get her back. Roken stares at Ben, saying, General, I'm sorry, but that's not my problem. But Ben isn't convinced and retorts, well, I wish that were true. If Roken wasn't already predisposed to help, there might not be uh, a path for anyone in the first place. As Roken visibly wrestles with his inner uh, turmoil, Tala says that she knows everything, where we are, what we're doing, adding that if Reva finds them, they will need an evacuation plan. What do you think about the introduction of uh, Roken? Awesome. Not bad. Completely wrong that uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. was playing Quinlan Voss. <laughs> I guess I adopted that rumor from what I had heard somewhere else and was like, I like that rumor. But I don't think I heard that one. Uh, I mentioned it last episode briefly, but I, right, right. I, I think it's really telling that he addresses them as general. Oh, so that, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. You know, say, well we're, not, we're not soldiers, but that, that's how he, he recognizes the Jedi as, 
as that, you know, he, as who he is. Right. Oh, well, I mean, Jedi in general as being like, uh, Oh, that they were the generals of the Republic. Right. And he's, you know, it's his job to, yeah. to help them. He's been involved with many Jedi and many younglings, uh, powerful kids and stuff. I would assume. Well, that, that does beg the question right? though. But that does beg the question, is it a, is it a general familiarity? Sorry to, <laughs> there's the pun there, mm-hmm. general, general. Uh, is it a general uh, familiarity that the Jedi were the, gen- uh, the generals of the Grand Army of the Republic? Or is general a specific reference to General Kenobi? Is there a greater recognition there? Well, I think um, he would qualify as one of like the legendary generals from the Clone Wars. I, I tend to agree too, with yeah. that. Yeah, especially yeah. if you were from uh, a Republic system. If this kid grew up in a Republic system, yeah, uh, believing you know, uh, drinking the Kool Aid, if you will, that, yep. that particular flavor. This is separatist Kool Aid as well, but um, so that that would make perfect sense. But it, what it what it does is it it it, it it's reminding us. Uh, that he was a general in the Grand Army. Of the yeah, Republic. yeah, yeah. And because he was such a powerful Jedi, and you were about to see him sort of, sort of get his his legs back slowly, but uh, I think that's like a foreshadowing the fact that General Kenobi is coming. You know, on the an argument could be made for the the more specific recognition when you realize and remember that at the end of it all, uh, Ben was a uh, member of the High Council. So, I mean, if, if you were going to recognize any, any Jedi, it might be those guys. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little bit about Roken and who is Roken exactly? As you said, Hank, it is, uh, played by, uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr. Also known by his stage name, uh, OMG. He's the uh, oldest son of actor and rapper Ice Cube. In fact, OMG played his own father in Straight Outta Compton. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, but Roken is more than reluctant as he states that uh, he can't afford to shut it all down. So Ben makes another plea uh, for help uh, to help them get Leia back, saying that uh, he can't lose her, adding that uh, he has no idea, meaning Roken has no idea what the Empire is capable of. But with a heavy sigh, Roken faces Tala and Ben and tells them that he was once married He says that he knew what she was, she being his wife, before they got married, suggesting that at the very least she was Force-sensitive. They tried to hide it, but the Inquisitors found them in spite of their efforts. Staring angrily at Ben, Roken says he knows exactly what the Empire can do. Ben, humbly nodding in acceptance at uh, uh, Roken's words, uh, and after a heavy sigh, Roken declares that uh, if they want his help, they have it. Ah, here's an interesting comment. We got an interesting comment here coming in. Talking about the, the recognition of Jedi, the opening of every Clone Wars cartoon was a news broadcast in-universe. That's an interesting thought. Yeah, because they were broadcasting highlights of what it was, was like on. those old world war ii uh uh serial or the reels oh, that they would play I, at the yeah, movie theater what this person is saying like like uh, yeah like people would have listened to that and therefore had blow by blow well this know, is it like like a, yeah yeah like a, like, like the, the, the common citizen because we do see the empire do the same thing in the mandalorian that uh or even in the bad batch when uh Rampart is giving his speeches and stuff. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. There's hollow projections of yeah, it's broadcast. Yes. Yeah, that makes, that's it. That's an awesome. Uh, that's an. That's awesome a great thought. analogy. I I quite like that. Good analogy. Okay, so 
Um, cutting to an antiquated uh, hollow projector that's uh, resting on a table, Roken, uh, along with Tala and Ben, approach the table where we see uh, two other base personnel uh, standing there. It's a man and a woman, uh, and that's Wade and Sully, respectively, and they're all gathered around the projector. Roken taps it a few times, and the projector sputters uh, to life, and as the camera pulls back, we can see an image of uh, two planets. One of them is red. Presumably, that's uh, Mustafar. But near that is another uh, large planet with a single moon. Closing in on the moon, Roken declares it to be the water moon of Nur, which also happens to be the location of the Fortress Inquisitorius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pardon me. As Roken gestures, uh, the image shifts to a, a closer image of the fortress, uh, which is partially uh, submerged. Roken says that they got the data off the grid while it was being built, but that's all they have. Now, this is just a like a, a goofy little like continuity thing. The grid is that is that a, a reference to what we would used to call the hollow net in Legends, or is that just a general like before you know it became a secret? Maybe. Yeah, it might be like slang for the hollow net, you know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. A, uh, I guess maybe even like just the idea that there's some sort of grid and they're just calling it that because it it would be yeah. a cool place to to uh, to drop hollow net. You uh, know that whole um, the the whole expression of like getting off the grid. We've seen it in in pop culture many times, usually in in reference to somebody who does not want to be found, so they get off the grid. Yeah. We also know the Empire has a propensity to just leave information at any at any of its terminals for whoever can access the terminal to find, you know. Yeah, and apparently all you need is a face. Right. <laughs> Locations of secret generals, you know, That's all right. that stuff. Just you just right need there. a face and the appropriate code cylinder. By the way, code cylinders play a big part of this episode. Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit more as it, as it comes up. All right, Roken uh, confirms that it is in the Mustafar system, to which Tala replies, that's Vader's system. Ben, who is completely like caught, on, like caught off guard at that, what? Asks if Vader is there now. Uh, Roken says that intelligence suggests that he's not. Uh, he's still on his ship, but that he's close. Wade and Sully remark that the fortress is impenetrable. While Ben posits, well, how far down do you think it goes? Roken has no idea, but he suggests that because it is the Inquisitor's base, it likely has a command center as well as training facilities. Sully pipes up that the truth is no one knows what lies inside the fortress. When Ben remarks that uh, he doesn't see any shields, Roken retorts, well, that's because no one would be stupid enough to attack it. Ben points out that there are some uh, T-47 airspeeders parked outside the camp, and they could use them to get inside the fortress at night. But Roken calls that idea suicidal, Sully adding that uh, they're not soldiers, and the speeders are meant for hauling sewage. (laughs) Were they designed for that? No. I mean, we know what the T-47s are. We're going to see them. They're going to feature quite heavily later on, but I mean... I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Ben tells the group that the girl taken from him is just 10 years old and he won't leave her there. He'll go alone if he has to. And when Sully says to Ben that uh, he can barely stand on his own, 
Tala blurts out that she'll go with him. After all, she does have Imperial officer clearance, and that should get them access to the fortress. Ben asks Tala if her cover is still intact, and she said there's only she says there's only one way to find out uh, before ordering her ship to be made ready. So talking about the ship, uh, presumably we're talking about Vader's ship here, right? Mm-hmm. That's probably a, a reference to uh, his first Imperial Star Destroyer, the uh, Devastator. Uh, that's an Imperial ISD-1, by the way, not an ISD-2. We first uh, see it canonically first seen, I guess, uh, cr- uh, chronologically in uh, Rogue One, technically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then, uh, so after Vader was reassigned to the Super Star Destroyer Executor, the Devastator stayed in service. Uh, it actually went to the command of Admiral Jared Montferrat, where it remained as part of uh, a unit called Death Squadron which was the personal flotilla of the emperor until it was destroyed at the battle of Endor. Crazy. Yeah, that's pretty cool. All right. Wade and Sully, uh, Wade wrestling. It's play, uh, is played by, uh, actor Ryder McLaughlin, uh, who's appeared in a handful of other productions, most notably, uh, Dwayne Johnson's ballers. Sully, on the other hand, is played by uh, Maya Erskine, who has a bunch of TV credits to her name, including uh, BoJack Horseman, Bob's Burgers, Robot Chicken, as well as uh, three episodes of the Netflix Wet Hot American Summer 10 years later. And if you haven't seen that, if you're a fan of Wet Hot American Summer, you should watch this because it's uh, it's kind of funny. <laughs> All right. Cut to an exterior shot of space above the uh, the moon of Newer. Tala's shuttle breaks out of hyperspace and begins its descent towards the surface. On board, we can see uh, uh, Ben beginning to reconnect with the Force in a much more intentional way this week as he practices moving a small handheld comlink uh, across the seat beside him. He moves it just a short distance before he kind of, uh, you know, like he's exerting himself. There's this gasp, like, <sighs> kind of like Magneto at the end of X Men. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, Tala, who's now uh, once again dressed in her Imperial uniform, stands in the doorway uh, between the cockpit and the cargo area watching Ben's efforts. When Ben notices her standing there, he optimistically offers her a weak encouragement by saying, I'll be all right. <laughs> uh, but she's a little more insightful than he gives her credit for, and uh, she reminds him that it's more than just his body that needs healing. She says the past is a hard thing to forget and he just needs time. Coincidentally, which is not something they have a whole lot of. No. All right. Uh, what a sympathetic character. She's, uh, I'd have to say, I mean, besides all of the other amazing uh, uh, acting that goes on in this episode from all the cast, by the way, she might just be the, the, the standout character this week. Uh, for a couple of reasons and, and we get to it when we get to it, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about, but wow, what a performance from uh, Indira Varma this week. Mm-hmm. All right. As Ben reflects on her words, he says, well, some things cannot be forgotten. Changing her approach. Tala says, you care about Leia, don't you? And when the Jedi meekly nods, she plainly tells him, then you're going to have to try before announcing that they're almost there. And she takes her seat at the ship's controls. Cutting back to uh, Leia's interrogation, Reva tells her that they intercepted a transmission on Balnab a year ago. 
She goes on to say that there was a talk of a secret network, and when she calls it a path, Leia's eyes meet her captor. Reva goes on to say how they thought it was a lie, then slams a broken piece of wood with a crudely inscribed Jedi sigil on the table and tells Leia that safe houses like the one she was found in have turned up in two different systems. Reva says to Leia that she needs to find out where they are, suggesting that the princess knows. But instead of answering the Inquisitor, Leia simply asks, how did he die? Reva tells Leia that, uh, sorry, Reva tells the little girl that he burned to death on Mapuzo, and the people just left him to die. Leia genuinely looks crushed by this. Uh, Reva then says that if Leia tells her where they are, she can go home to her family and all of this can be over. Looking up from the table, Leah gathers her resolve and boldly says, I don't know anything about a path. But Reva isn't done with her yet as she stands up from the table declaring, then let's think a little harder then, shall we? All right, there's a couple things going on in this scene that I want to I want to sort of suss out here. First, I want to talk about uh, Reva. Um, <laughs> as I said before, I think that Reva is the redemption arc of the series, which, by the way, after this week's episode, is a lot harder to get behind. Like, a lot, lot harder to get behind. But there's, there's some visual things here that I want to talk about, because we said this before uh, when we were sort of analyzing her character and why she may not be as far gone as the rest of them. First off, she, we said she doesn't have the Sith eyes like the Grand Inquisitor has. Yeah. And the fifth brother. But there's also a couple of other things. One, do you guys notice that uh, her uniform is the least armored of them? Yeah, sort of, yeah. I know it's a subtle thing, but the big one is... Of all the Inquisitors we've seen in live action and animation, Reva is the only one that doesn't wear her lightsaber hoop style on her back. She keeps it at her side. You know, that it's half closed, you know, the, and to me that's a, like a metaphor for not being all the way there. Yeah, and that's where a Jedi would hang his lightsaber. That is true. Um, although, and I'll, I'll say it, I'll say it now because I know it'll come up again later. If she is the redemption arc, I am 100% uh, convinced that it's posthumously. It, she can't, re- at this point, she cannot redeem in life. I just had a thought while you're, while you're saying that. And I, and yeah, yeah. It might be wacky, but I'm, I'm sure. Not, I'm, as I th- say it, I might think it differently as I'm, I'm talking it out. But the, this, the scene that's about to come up, and I guess spoilers for people who are about to be spoiled anyway, but the, the scene that comes up where her and Talia have that conversation about yep. who, who, who a spy is. It just occurred to me, but maybe, maybe Reva has been a good guy the whole time. And maybe the reason she cuts, hand, cuts hands off, uh, sure. it's more extreme than the other ones is because yep. she's trying not overcompensating. To get right. Uh, just, just a thought. Just hit me I, I won't, I won't rule that out, but man, is it ever hard to come back from that? Like that is so far gone. Like yeah, that's some Donnie Brasco shit. <laughs> it really, really is. Yeah. Got another comment coming in here, and this is a really good one. This one comes from Facebook that says, "What if the thing that she's owed is to be trained by a Jedi?" We kind of touched on that before when we were talking about you know Ben being the face of the Jedi and the whole abandonment 
issues that we kind of think that she has. It kind of ties in now. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe she does feel like she's uh, she's owed that. I still think she feels like she's owed again the whole like Ben was the face of the Jedi. It's his face on the hologram, which she clearly saw. Right. You know the same the same hollows that Ben and Yoda watched. That's why she knows that Anakin Skywalker is Darth Vader because he's anointed right there on video for everybody to see, uh, or at least everybody who had access to the the Jedi. Maybe if archive. we're interpreting Anakin's, you should have should have killed me when you had the chance as a as a, a almost a posthumous plea for mercy then yeah. maybe maybe her pain comes from the exact same spot uh, maybe obi-wan's failure to save these people is what is 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 <laughs> their uh their their the, you know their their anger their source of their right their, right right their bane there's the word I was yeah 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 All right, at the expense of going way too deep here, I'm going to dive into this next little point because the piece of wood, to me, has some significance here. Back in the previous episode when she was on Dayu, because this is the same piece of wood from Dayu, right? That was in the wall? Yes. There's almost an affection with which how she strokes the wall when she touches the sigil. Do you think that she carved it as a child before she became an Inquisitor? Do you think that that was part of her path per se i'm gonna say not her but possibly one of the other one of the other kids yeah that escaped with her as a marking to say hey your group was here okay take a good look at that piece of wood if you were an inquisitor and you were going to take that in as a piece of evidence how would you have extracted it from the wall lightsaber i would have cut it out with my lightsaber right that wood is not burnt it's not even singed it's been smashed out well, but that's the thing. The edges are jagged, so it suggests that that there was no other tools used to remove it. Did she rend it from the wall with such precision with the force as to preserve it? Maybe. If that's the case, to me, that is another example of restraint on her part, which I would say suggests that she's not as far gone as the rest of them. I mean, if it was, you know, Kylo Ren, we'd have the, the, you know, the, the, the petulant trash and he just cut the whole thing out. Right. Yeah. But that's not what we're getting here. Yeah. All right. We, well, we, we really begin to see her. She sees herself in Leia, whether she was admitting it or not, she's willing to cut, you know, random innocent civilians hands off in the streets. Yes. But when Leia crosses her, it's, she, she shows tremendous restraint. You know, like she follow up comment face. It would be sawdust. <laughs> I believe that's in reference to the Kylo Ren reference. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> the whole building would have been toppled. <laughs> All right. Okay. Uh, moving forward. Uh, what are we at now? Okay. Cutting back to the exterior of Nur, we can see Tala's ship uh, approaching the Fortress Inquisitorius. Uh, and as the ship passes under the hanging racks of TIE fighters, we get the best look at this new class of ship so far. And man, you know what? I, I'm not above saying when I am wrong, I am way wrong. <laughs> Last week, I posited that this thing may, uh, may have been... Uh, part of the unreleased uh, mini rig line from Kenner, right. the Millennium Falcon cargo handler. But I mean, now that we have this like incredibly detailed view of the ship, we know that that is absolutely just 
not the case. And I mean, we, we see the design lineage in here that this is from the same family as the Lambda class shuttle. And although we don't know exactly what it is, it's safe to say that it is uh, a ship made by uh Sinar fleet systems. So it's like a Lambda personal shuttlecraft. Well, yeah. Well, here's the thing too. Like, even the Lambda class, which is considered an executive shuttle, is armed hmm. because its other purpose is electronic warfare. So it has to be able to defend itself. Uh, Tala's ship, this class of ship, on the other hand, has like zero visible weapon emplacements, like none whatsoever. So either the weapons are concealed, which is kind of, you know, a, a weird thing for Star Wars, hmm. um, or it's like really, 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 really fast small and maneuverable yeah 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 i'm going fast i like it okay all right debarking her ship uh tala strides purposefully past uh various base personnel including several stormtroopers uh officers and deck technicians uh and by deck technician i mean like the Jin urso disguise from yeah. rogue one she also passes several boxes containing a red substance, which may or may not be the processed vitrium we saw in the last episode, or perhaps another fuel source like Rhydonium. Hmm. All right. I'm going to take a second here and just talk about this for a second. The, uh, the trench coat wearing officer, although that is, you know, the first drop to set up the disguise later on. Some outlets are reporting this as being a new piece of Imperial officer's garb. That's just not the case. No. Um, Tobias Beckett in solo wore a 100%. trench coat as part of his captain's or major's dis captain's disguise, I guess. Yeah. 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 So not, not a new thing. Let's cover uh, Nervously, Tala makes her way inside the fortress. Now her cover seemingly st is still intact. And she reaches a security checkpoint with a full body scanner. And there's an officer bearing a lieutenant's rank, uh, demanding her identification. Well, Tala tries to talk her way past the man, stating that she has uh, officer class C clearance. But the security officer is not impressed and forcefully demands her clearance now. Feigning disinterest, Tala hands over one of the code cylinders from her uniform and the security officer inserts it into uh, the body scanner. We get the, a full body image of uh, Tala uh, appearing on the screen, and the Oribes translation identifies her as Captain Tala Durith. D-U-R-I-T-H. Tala Durith. Nice. I didn't pick up on the, the Durith name. I don't know if there's a... Is there any Star Wars lineage there that you guys know? Not no. that I know of. I, I, okay. That's my first... Uh, you just caught that. I didn't see that. Yeah. Awesome. Visibly tense, Tala watches the security officer as he concludes the scan. When he shoots her a sideways glance, she asks him, is there a problem? The security officer, uh, flexing the authority of his station, declares with impunity, this isn't her sector, and he can't let her through. While slipping back into the role of the Imperial captain that she is, I love this part, Tala goes into a who-do-you-think-you-are act, the guard defiantly stating that he is the lead security officer for this level. Well, then Tala just starts to tear him a new one uh, as she reminds him that as a captain, she is his superior officer and will be addressed as sir. At that, the security officer changes his tone as he tries to explain himself, uh, but Tala cuts him off, suggesting that, it, that she should just inform the Grand Inquisitor of his insolence. 
With that, the security officer stiffens in obvious discomfort. And Tala, keeping up her act, tells him she's there with classified intelligence, asking the lieutenant, do you know what classified means? The security officer sheepishly averts his glare, staring at the floor as he quietly acquiesces with a, yes, sir. With one last performance, Tala says, then why am I wasting my time with you? as she strides away from the checkpoint, moving deeper into the fortress. What a cool scene for yeah. her. Something else to point out here, too. Yeah, yeah. When she says, should I tell the Grand Inquisitor, he tenses up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So nobody there is under the impression he's dead. Well, that's a good point. I mean... Uh, They're still fearful of his wrath. Uh, I've, I've maintained all along that there's no retconning here. The Grand Inquisitor is recovering He will resurface. He will be back. Uh, that was another thing that I saw this week. Um, one of the groups that I'm in, somebody put up a poll thinking, you know, how do you think Reva will meet her end? And one of the, the leading option, uh, the leading uh, uh, answer was um, she's going to meet her end by Vader. Uh, what about the Grand Inquisitor? Mm-hmm. I feel like the Grand Inquisitor is probably going to get his uh, his dues, I guess, or his yeah, just to reward. reassert yeah. his position. Yeah, yeah. Should have stabbed me in both stomachs. Yeah, exactly. You should have cut it out. You should have. Uh, you should have ripped it out. You should have gone. Should have head. torn it to sawdust. <laughs> <laughs> I love the sawdust comment. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, where are we here? Oh yeah, okay. Well, we cut to a computer workstation somewhere else uh, deeper within the fortress, and we see Tala insert yet another one of her code cylinders into a terminal, and then takes out a handheld comlink. Well, speaking into the comlink, she says, all right, I'm inside the system. Here we go. We then cut to an exterior underwater shot, and we can see Ben swimming amongst several fish and shark-like creatures. And plot armor confirmed. Ben's lightsaber is miraculously back on his belt, despite having dropped it several feet away in a burning pile of vitrium. Maybe Ned B had a magnet and he just used his magnet force yeah, to pick it up. Well, sure, Vader sure. Force pushed him back, so he pushed him back to where the saber I, was. I guess. Landed right guess. beside it. Ned B was smart enough to pick it up. I guess so. There's more to Ned I'll B. Accept than that. Meets the eye. You know me. <laughs> you know me. I point this stuff out, but oh, I yeah, am yeah, more yeah. than okay. I am more than okay to pull the wool over and go. That's fine. If he suddenly <laughs> pulled out four lightsabers, I'd be like, "Let's do it." That's great. Well, we're going to talk about lightsabers a little later on because there's a whole bunch of them in plain sight uh, that once you, once you see them, you cannot unsee them. All right. The shark like creature that we see uh, Ben swim past and I, and I've got a, I put up another uh, image there of it. This is right out of uh, uh, Jedi fallen order. It's called the blue Vev glider. And uh, it's actually uh, was introduced back in 2018 in solo where apparently it was hanging in the Coronet City fish market, hmm. although, of course, it was just a, a dead corpse at that point. Nice. Uh, and then, of course... I hope so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, they do feature prominently, again, in Jedi Fallen Order, as this sequence, as much as it mirrors the uh, the Aquata Breather swimming into uh, Otagunga on uh, Naboo, this is exactly how Cal Kestis got into the fortress in Jedi Fallen Order. Obi-Wan has the uh, the exact same breathers fed in this. It is, yeah. It's absolutely this. If it's not the same one, it's of the same yeah. lineage, the same right. family, but it's Stan- very, Jedi, very Jedi close. standard issue. 
Exactly. Yeah. 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 He's got, he's got the little hollow thing in his lockbox with the three legs and then the aquata breather. Right. They're like exactly the same. Yeah. Okay. Cutting to a wide shot. We can see the, the, the base of the monolithic fortress rising from the ocean floor. And as Ben swims closer, a hatchway opens up spilling light from inside the facility, like a beacon. As the doors swing down further into the water, we can see this uh, octopus-like creature clinging to the inside of one of the doors. Not the outside, the inside. Well, paying the creature uh, no attention, Ben swims towards the surface. You guys got any thoughts on the uh, on the creature here? I thought at first maybe it was the same thing that Han Solo was smuggling. The Raftar. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of the that was one of the leading things that I'd seen this past week. Mama That's the way that I went with it. Yeah. I think the, the leading one was uh, Vixus was the one I heard. And if you look up Vixus, you'll see that Vixus, as well as a bunch of other tentacled creatures, uh, share a common ancestor with the Sarlacc. Hmm. Oh, cool. But I don't think that's the Vixus. I think it's a Mamacor. Um, and I specifically went back to those episodes of The Mandalorian to pull out the uh, the imagery there. And I really do think that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, there's a, definitely a consistency here with both creatures, uh, Toothy Maw and six tentacles, whereas the Vixus is depicted having at least seven or more, including one that protrudes from inside its mouth. Hmm. So, yeah. Mamacore, that's what I'm going with. Nice. I like it. And I'll fight you all for it. I agree. <laughs> all right. Inside the fortress, a lone stormtrooper stands guard outside the underwater hatchway. Hearing the gurgling of water from the other side of the double doors, he moves to investigate. Opening the doors, the trooper spots the internal that the internal hatches are open. And stepping inside, he's quickly set upon by Ben, who quietly dispatches him and disposes of the body by tossing it into the water. I halfway thought he was going to come out in stormtrooper armor. Oh, yeah, that would have been great. Just just to mirror the whole Death Star rescue. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, you know, I wonder if that was actually on the books at one time. Maybe. Mm. It would have been cool. Uh, then again, that would have set up the whole, like, you're a little short for a Stormtrooper line. <laughs> but he's not short. No. You're a little tall for a Stormtrooper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little tall. <laughs> Maybe that was just two on the nose. Maybe. All right. Cutting back to the uh, um, interrogation room, Reva attempts to use the force to rend the information she wants out of Leia's mind, much the same way that uh, she did with Haja Estri. But Leia, just staring at the Inquisitor, defiantly says, is this a staring contest? <laughs> and that is like the coolest line in the whole mm -hmm. sequence. Oh yeah, big time. It's cool that she's struggling though, right? Like the that like she's just like tensed right the yeah. neck muscles are there yeah, kind of mirrors the whole kylo ren and right. ray thing too yeah, i was just gonna say yeah, it really I'm, does yeah yeah. yeah for sure when she uh when she finally let go and kind of in the back of my mind all i can hear is luke saying the force is strong in my family <laughs> releasing her grip uh reva says you're strong Continuing uh, by saying, the braver you seem, the more afraid you are. I learned that at a very young age as well. Leah uh, releases Lola from uh, her pocket, and the little droid flies underneath the table, seemingly unseen. But when the little droid tries to attack the Inquisitor, Reva stops it mid-flight with the Force. 
As Leia watches with obvious concern on her face, Riva pulls Lola into her hand. Staring at the droid, she tells the princess that she also had a droid when she was young, but it was taken from her along with everything else. What? What does? What do we think that means? Is there anything there? Maybe. I saw some speculation online that it was possibly one of the training Jedi droids. So th- this but... is, uh, and I can't think of his name. Hank, what's the name of the the Jedi droid? The 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 droid master. Oh, oh my lord. Oh my. <laughs> you know who I'm thinking of? He's I an do. ancient droid. Yes, um, yes, yes. Who they are speculating we may see him. In Ahsoka. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, the, he's um, definitely in the trailer. Well, there you go, right. So, yeah. I mean, is that a reference maybe that for a time, maybe she did, you know, get away for a little while? Maybe. Uh, I don't know. That's going to get a little yeah, convoluted later on. Yeah. It's quite possible. All right. Well, then maybe it just she had a droid pet a lola pet or well. maybe she's insinuating that she had her lola pet and when she was taken into the order gone you know, get rid of it because of attachment's sake so much for your tamagotchi yeah yeah okay well that's fine um where are we going here now oh right we're going to come back over to tala at her computer station as she navigates a schematic of the uh, fortress inquisitorius now, if the markings on the cross-section correspond to the number of decks uh, or levels, then the fortress has at least 26 levels within the central monolith. Shocked at the layout, she remarks into her comlink, look at this place. What are they keeping down there? Vaguely aware that her remark has caught the attention of another worker, uh, she pulls the comlink away from her face and settles back into her seat uh, into a more neutral position. Meanwhile, as Ben makes his way down a hallway, he asks uh, Tala, where is she? Tala says that uh, the detention area is in a secure sector and he should keep heading north. But Ben is forced to tuck in tight against a wall as a seeker droid floats across the intersection in front of him. After the droid floats by, he reports it to, to Tala. She tells him that she can see it on her display along with several other uh, red blips, and she remarks that it looks like they're everywhere. Now, I counted them. Her display shows 30 droids. And that's one level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it would appear anyway. It's a great home security system. Mm-hmm. All right. This is kind of cool. We get our uh, a call back here. This is going to be our first uh, animation callback this week in the form of the uh, ID-10 Seeker Droid. This one, uh, the ID-10 model introduced in the 2017 video game Star Wars Battlefront 2 is the successor to the smaller ID-9 droid that we saw in Star Wars Rebels uh, in the second season uh, in uh, 2015 as uh, the second sister used like a a bunch of them uh, to kind of help her hunt Jedi. All right. Uh, All these droids are manufactured by uh, Arakid Industries, and they share a common design aesthetic with their uh, larger cousin, uh, the Viper Probe Droid. All right. Back at the uh, computer room, Tala is approached by another captain who says, this isn't your station. Let me see some identification. Standing up, she removes the uh, code cylinder from her uniform as the captain orders her to uh, follow him. And then he leads her off to the back of the room uh, where there's a bunch of mainframe computers. Still, on the hunt for Leia, 
Ben calls out to Tala on his comm link, but Tala has conveniently left hers on the computer desk. Focusing on the device, we can hear Ben ask, are you there? While at the same time, we can hear Tala struggling with the captain behind one of the mainframes. Now, this is a pretty cool callback to uh, New Hope when the droids are being questioned by the Imperial officer when he finds them in the closet. And uh, 3PO has conveniently left the the comm link on the, on the table. Head. Yeah, yeah. It's the same. It's the same uh, model, too. This is the uh, C1 personal comm link, and it is made by the Sorosub company. Sorosub, uh, for those of you who are fans of... Man, this is where uh, uh, role-playing fans, I think, really kind of champion this stuff because that's where you get into all the nuts and bolts like that where this company is uh, is basically a, a consumer electronics company that make parts and consumer electronic devices for all sectors. Based on Solus, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, nine Nums species. Another volcanic planet. <laughs> all right. Cutting back to the control room, uh, Tala swiftly deals with the other captain. Um, oh, you know what? I just skipped ahead. My apologies. Meanwhile, back in the corridors, Ben hears the familiar thrum of the seeker droid, and uh, he uses a code cylinder. I assume that this is one that Tala had given him previously. Probably. So he swam in with this thing on his person. Is that what we're saying? Or he took it off that stormtrooper. I don't know if that's the case. We've not, Have we ever seen stormtroopers carrying code cylinders? Uh, it doesn't mean that they don't. Yeah, I was going to say... It doesn't mean that they don't. It just we've never seen it, I guess. Yeah. Uh, ben hears the familiar thrum of the seeker droid and uses a code cylinder to lock himself in a room behind some sliding doors. As Ben hugs tight to the door beside its windows, the droid floats up to the other side and begins scanning through the glass. Satisfied that nothing is amiss, the droid floats off, leaving Ben to once again try and contact Tala. You'd think that Hagen would have like a wider angle. You would think so, but I mean, him. Based on the uh, the visuals we got from the Viper droid. Absolutely. Or Star Trek like life sensors. Well, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the obvious, uh, you know, like if, if R2D2 on the frozen Brock of Hoth can detect life with a little radar dish through like weather and snow and ice and rock <laughs> well he he can't detect him so maybe 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 that just doesn't work maybe maybe <laughs> cutting back to the uh, control room we now see tala swiftly dealing with the other captain as she uh, snaps his neck uh, before she lowers him to the floor ben meanwhile is trying to contact her when he's suddenly alerted by the sound of a pair of stormtroopers approaching from down the hall Climbing up into the structure of, of the corridor, Ben presses himself behind a support pillar. He watches as the pair pass by, making idle conversation. One trooper says, uh, and this is right from the subtitles, I pulled this out, this place gives me the creeps. Mm-hmm. <laughs> While the other replies, hopefully we won't be stationed here for long. <laughs> but there's a line that comes after this, and it is garbled. Um and the only thing that you can make out is the last thing he says, and it's either the number 15 or the number 16. Well, if that's the case, and I'm wondering, is this a recycling of the line from A New Hope when Ben is trying to turn off the tractor beam? D16s? 
they say there's something else. Okay, so if we're going, if we're uh, basing this on it is a recycle, a, a direct recycling of that line, then the line is. Have you seen that new BT-16? Right. Hmm. All right. Having dealt with the Imperials, Tala quietly uh, makes her way uh, back to her computer terminal, unaware that Ben is close to being spotted. So she picks up the uh, unattended comlink, whispering, Ben. (laughs) But the squelch of the comlink as it crackles, you can see the look on Ben's face and you can hear the words, oh shit. Um, and his eyes go w- as wide as dinner plates. And uh, that look is justified as one of the troopers stops to say to his comrade, did you hear that? Of course, this is a call back to the uh, scene from A New Hope uh, yeah. when Ben made a similar gesture so that he could get away from the beam generator. All right. Now, I, I got to ask a question here. And I think, I don't know if we've had this discussion before, but it, it begs the question because these sequences are so similar tonally, like the whole, we're going to make a, a, a noise. Is there a physical noise? Is there really a noise or is this just a variation of the Jedi mind trick? They think there's a noise. Hmm. Uh, I would say, yeah, there's, it's, it's the, uh, I mean, there's two ways you could do it. He could be uh, throwing a physical object with the force, but I, I, I always got the impression that this was a, a noise that he created in their heads. I have to agree with that. And if we're going to go with that, let's stick with that for a second, because that speaks uh, volumes to Ben's journey to his mm-hmm. reconnection to the force, mm-hmm. because we've gone from barely being able to move a, a comm link, which weighs just grams or ounces to being able to affect not one, but two human minds in one gesture. That's yeah. pretty good. There's something happening here too. That's like, he's, um, uh, under like there's stressors occurring, if you will, sitting yeah. there, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. The everyday stress of the situation is upon him, but sitting there trying to practice to move something isn't the same as like, uh, doing it under pressure, body memory or mind memory. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Jedi, you know, he's drilled this, you really start to see it soon. And I want to bring it up yep. when it happens. Yep. Yep. You really start to see it soon. All right, then. Well, turning back to investigate, both troopers draw their blasters and begin making their way back down the hall. Their heads are now on a swivel as they scrutinize the hallway very thoroughly. Now they stop just below the support that Ben is using for cover. With nowhere to go, he reaches out with the force, hoping to cause a distraction. Both troopers think they hear something from down the hall where they came from, and they rush off to check it out, uh, leaving him in the clear to come out of hiding. I'm just going to back up here for a second. I'm going to touch on the BT-16 thing because I'm not done with that. And if, you, if you've never followed this rabbit hole before, this is kind of a cool one. Um, presuming that it is the, the BT-16 line that's recycled from A New Hope and presuming that this is exactly what they're talking about, the BT-16, according to the uh, 2006 uh, Essential Guide to Droids, is listed as a small spider-like perimeter security droid. In fact, it is the same spider droids that we see later on in Return of the Jedi carrying the disembodied brains of the Bomar monks. Now, when you check the the Wikipedia canon uh, entry for that, it just refers to them as Brainwalker. Hmm. And, of course, we did see them again in um, the Book of Boba Fett. 
I guess that's, you know, where I kind of go, is this a full circle moment now? Like where another legends element has been recanonized? Maybe because it makes sense to me. The BT 16 is, is listed as having, uh, is actually armed with a blaster. I, does it make, I'd never heard the BT before. And I'd always, like, I'd always thought it was a T 16 referring to a skyhopper. Oh yeah. 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 I always, uh, until this very moment, (laughs) <laughs> I always thought that they were talking about the T-16 Skyhopper, the same one that Luke used to bullseye Womp Rats in. Yeah. So, uh, so I thought it was like, you know. Talking about ship. Right. Yeah. Always like till five minutes ago. Well, I, I'm not going to lie because the 16 thing, like I think of like, you know, two two guys would be say, did you see that new thing? They're talking about a new model of something. Well, mm-hmm. the clone blaster was the DC-15. I assumed that a 16 was a new model blaster. Hmm. Oh, it's possible. I'd ha- I mean, I got to look at the uh, yeah uh, script. <laughs> of the, yeah, really. Of the two spider droids that we see in Return of the Jedi, this is the smaller of the two. Does it not make sense that the Empire would have droids? Because they say specifically perimeter, perimeter security, and I immediately go to pest control. We know from other Star Wars media that, you know, just like rats on a ship, on a real world ship, there are other nuisances and pests that get on board uh, starships that enter buildings. Minox. Would you waste resources, human or personnel resources to take care of that? Or would you employ a droid? Which could just go around. That's what I mean. Like it could just, yeah, exactly. Walk around and blast shit. Yeah. And then uh, clean it up. They're all about fear and control. There is that. Spider looking thing well that definitely fits the bill yeah absolutely anyway i think that's a super cool reference i kind of hope that that's the case here that that is a a a recanonizing of that i think that's a very cool a cool idea yeah but yeah the bt-16 spider uh or security perimeter security droid the brain walker all right clear of the stormtroopers uh ben hops down from his hiding spot and he asks tala what happened as he uh, walks down the hall, cutting back uh, to the computer room, we can see the dead captain is now concealed behind one of the mainframes. As we hear Tala answer, I had some company, but it's taken care of. Meanwhile, in the interrogation room uh, with Lola still in her clutches, Riva ch- uh, changes her tactics and sits down next to Leia in a mocking tone. She tells Leia that she knows what it's like to be alone and that the people she's trying to protect are not coming for her. And Leia appears to be quite upset by this. Reva goes on, the only person that can save you is you. Tell me where they are. We're all on the same side here. Uh, These people, they'll leave you to die. And this seems like a big moment for Reva, you know. Um, these people will leave you too, like the Jedi left her at yep. the same age. Do you know what I mean? Like, yep. again, there's that rhyming stanza, that, that parallel. Only now we're rhyming with our own show. Yeah. <laughs> or is she trying to impart her own experiences on to Leia? Oh, absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a couple, there's another moment where a, a yarn that is spoken is the truth. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, Leah's expression changes as the uh, fear drops from her face. Um, 
Lifting her eyes to meet Riva, she says, Okay, I'll tell you where they are. I just don't want anyone to get hurt. Laying her hands across her chest, Riva feigns sincerity when she says, I give you my word. But now it's Leia's turn to play her hand when she tells Riva, I'll have to tell my father first. <laughs> Adding, but that's okay, right? You said we're all on the same side. So, uh, so insightful. So like if this was a game of cards, you know, that's the, uh, that, that's a call right there. Yep. <laughs> Reva now visibly annoyed says, uh, nice try princess. As uh, she gestures for the stormtroopers in the room to uh, take a moment where she, she like goes to like, all, almost like, like I'm gonna, <laughs> you know, you've anybody... ever been that mad at a child and went, Oh no, that's I'm a, I'm an adult. No. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All the parents in the, in the world just went, Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to murder. And there's you, a level little... of strength, which she didn't show in the streets of, uh, Moss Espo or Moss Espo. There's a, a Homer Burt moment right there. Mm-hmm. Come here, boy. Him in. All right. Uh, Reva rhetorically says, I hope you like pain as Leia yells at her. I'll never tell you where they are. As the troopers take her away, Reva says, it's time to make those tears real. And this is where, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I got to, uh, I deliver it with some humor. I, I can't deliver it the same way that Moses can. Um, but this is the point in the episode where like, I'm really starting to like question my, like my faith in, in her redemption arc. And it only gets worse from here. <laughs> While still unnoticed by any of the fortress's uh, security forces, Ben approaches a set of sliding doors bearing uh, a red, uh, red imperial sigils. Tala asks him where he is, and he tells him that he thinks he's found the secure sector of the base. Using the code cylinder, he opens the door and he steps into an antechamber on the other side. Cut back to Leia as the princess is brought into a large open room with a torture rack at the center. To no avail, Leia screams for help while the troopers secure her to the device and then take up a guard post on either side of her. All right. This interrogation chamber, uh, I mean, wow, it's a close match to a similar location uh, that we saw in this exact building uh, about uh, four years earlier where uh, Trilla, the the fourth sister, was ultimately killed uh, by Darth Vader. Hmm. This the question came up too, and this was just me questioning questioning it myself. It's four years later. Is this the same room? Could redressed? Yeah, one hundred percent. I would think it could very well be. Yeah, I know the video game uh, makes that you know like the, the portion of the floor is gone, like it's not there. But maybe it's you know retractable or something. Could be. I don't know. Okay. Passing through the doors. At the other end of the antechamber, Ben finds himself in a room filled with rows of amber slabs. Tala asks him, Ben, what is it? Inside each slab of amber lies a corpse. The scene is harrowing as Ben recognizes what he's looking at, just as we, the viewers, do. Ben tells her that he thinks he just found what they were hiding here. The building isn't a fortress. It's a tomb. Old friends and strangers alike, all encased in amber, and all of them, at the very least, a Force-sensitive, if not a Jedi. All right. Um, 
I'm just going to put this out there right now. Descriptive audio lady does describe it as Amber. Hmm. Yes. Yeah. So that's, we're going to, it's obvious. This is a huge moment for the show. It's a huge moment for the episode. And we're going to talk extensively about that, but uh, I just want to get that out there. Amber. That's what they say it is. That's what I'm going with. All right. Cutting back to the torture chamber, Reva marches into the room, forcefully exclaiming to Leah, you're going to tell me what I want to know. Leah, who is obviously frightened, struggles against her binders, but they aren't giving. Uh, taking a position behind the uh, torture rack's controls, Reva tilts the table into a flat position while Leah shouts, what are you doing to me? Reva answers coldly, the same thing I do to anyone who doesn't embrace the Empire. Yeah, that redemption thing, it's fading. Nobody <laughs> expects the Spanish Inquisition. Yeah, yeah. Does this mean she went through it? You know, there's every chance that she went through this, if not worse. Yeah. Right? I mean, her road to becoming an inquisitor. Given all the uh, the stuff we've spoken about before, especially Hank talking about Vader, how he likes to uh, torture them and to basically keep them on their toes with their own pain. Yeah. She's suffered for sure. She has. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, then we hear this uh, familiar humming sound of an interrogator droid, and it's the same sound effect that was used back in a new hope with the uh the the ball droid with the 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 needle on the end of it yeah the giant syringe and uh, while leia looks at the prongs on either side of her attached to the table reva warns this is your last chance before she screams say something and even in the face of possible death leia the ever defiant shouts i'll never tell you with that reva coldly exclaims then your choice is made as she activates the torture rack and the prongs begin to close in on the terrified little girl. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> redemption. It's, it's a hard one for me to wrestle with at this point. Meanwhile, uh, Ben looks, uh, looks on at more of the faces encased in Amber. The former general is overwhelmed at the grim sight, but he continues to take in those who are entombed around him until he momentarily freezes at the sight of a youngling no older than Leia, still wearing his training helmet. All right, so let's get to that, because that's a, this is a huge moment for the show. Uh, these are the, the faces that we focus on um, uh, through that sequence. We can obviously identify uh, Jedi Master Tara Sinube. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tara Sinube, who uh, assisted Ahsoka Tano uh, when she lost her lightsabers. Now, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sesiatine. So it's not, I had to, if you look a little closer, I should have made these bigger. I mean, each one of these could have been its own slide. I guess maybe I should have done it that way. Mm. Um, But it's not Sesiatine. It's definitely a, um, hang on a second here. uh, This guy is an Angri. Um, And we've, we've seen Angri Jedi before. There are two of them, in fact. There is uh, uh, Jedi Master Coleman Kaj, who was on the Jedi High Council, and then Jedi Knight uh, Pablo Jill, who was at the Battle of uh, Geonosis. So it could be either one of those. The Dreadlock fellow I'd, I'd seen sort of people, you know, questioning, is that, you Quinlan know, perhaps Voss. Quinlan Vos? Yeah, that was my first thought, but then, yeah, no no face tattoos. I, no face tattoos. traditional robes. And he doesn't kind of, he 
Obi-Wan just passes by. Yeah, there's no recognition there. Yeah. I like see a is... picture of the uh, maybe wait Mace Windu. Do we see do you see people saying that they thought they found Yeah, Mace Windu? yeah, we did. Um that's going to come up here in a couple seconds. Okay, okay. I want to talk a little bit about the other ones, the ones that we can identify because right. there's been lots of discussion around those. Do you guys have any thoughts on the on the other faces? I, I I'm thinking they're just four sensitives that have been picked up. But I had a thought yeah. earlier yeah, yeah. when you mentioned something. Sure. The two ladies on the bottom there. Yeah. Is it possible that either one of those could be uh, Roken's wife? wife? Yeah. That's yeah. The, yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought that too. And I thought that perhaps the uh, the one on the far uh, right might be a, yep. a, a night sister. I I landed on the same thing, Hank. Yeah, I went yeah, with yeah. night sister. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, some of the some sources are saying that uh, the woman with the uh, tall headdress might be a guardian of the wills. But um, because we already have a strong female force using tradition that was pulled from legends into canon, as you say, I landed on uh, Night Sister with that one. And that's what I'm going with. And that's another interesting thing, too, because if we're going to go, you know, these shows have a very interesting way of, of how and when they pull legends lore forward. Um, this other fellow is wearing armor. Yes. And that's so not a Jedi thing. But there is a legends force-using tradition that is known not only for constructing lightsabers, but for building their own armor. And it's the Genserai. And I wonder if this is a Genserai. And there is, there is a precedent. There is a canon precedent for this because Genserai are mentioned in the uh, 2017 RPG source book, Force of Destiny from Fantasy Flight Games. So at the very least, the name Genside does exist in the new canon. Hmm. So it'd be interesting to see if that's uh, what this guy is. One of the other sources I had seen uh, said that this might be an ancient Jedi because I think actually Star Wars Theory had said yeah. that he thought this was an ancient Jedi. Looks a lot like Exar Khan, uh the sort of the armor they were wearing 10,000 years ago. Yeah. It looks a I lot get, like uh, I get vibes. Mongolian vibes off this guy. Right. If, you, mm. if you've ever seen the, uh, the the old Dark Horse Tales of the Jedi comic, that yep. that armor looks... Uh, I'll post a, uh, in the fan group a, a picture of XR Kung wearing armor. Yep. Very, yep. very similar to that. All right. So we, these are sort of... of the young the youngling? We do, yeah. So this is sort of in the order where he sees them uh, yeah. as they are lined up down the hallway. And the, the you know what's really, I had this conversation with Kim today about um, movies and TV in general, how like the world building, like imagine working in the set department for this show or for any production for that matter. And you know that there are things in the scene that are never going to be seen on camera, but without them the authenticity isn't there. Mm -hmm. There's a whole other row of Amber slabs on a, uh, above Obi-Wan that yeah. we don't get to see, no. but there's, there's bodies in there. There's something like 48 different. I really, really want to, I want a detailed view of every one of them. Yeah. I want to be left alone for an hour in that room. Yeah. 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 <laughs> With my teddy bear. Yeah. Save me, Teddy. This place is creepy. All right. Well, uh, Okay. Well, that leaves us with the youngling. And this is where it gets really, really harrowing because if you didn't notice, in the credits, twin boys, Jonathan Ho, Oliver Ho, are listed as Jedi younglings in both part one and part four, which 
absolutely makes this one of the Jedi younglings from part one mm -hmm. escaping with Riva. Yep. yep. Um, in fact, I think he's the third, the, the male standing in the back. Yep. I took the liberty of uh, putting Riva's adult face on the little girl that we think is Riva just mm -hmm. to drive that point home. Um, so <laughs> let's talk about that for a second. This is one of the kids that she escaped with. Right. How often do you think she goes down there to see this stuff? Well, that's what we, we'd mentioned that last I time. Don't think right? she, yeah, I don't think she goes down there very often. Right, where where it feels, I, I get the impression the rest of them sit sit there and, and uh, you know, it's a trophy room. They're hunters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and that's going to come up here in, in a second because, I mean, I want to talk about the implications of what we're seeing. And that, that is definitely one of them. Um, and it, as you said, Hank, did we get a shot of the, the guy? Yeah, we did is. as Ben, as Ben's running off because we know we get Leia like, screaming ah, and he can hear her. He tears off. And the, the only person, this is, this guy's actually directly across from the youngling mm -hmm. appears to be a human male, uh, possibly a black man, possibly bald. The question is, is this the return of Mace Windu? I hope not. Threw his hand back. Well, so there is that there, that's kind of the obvious one that this guy, I mean, and they, that hand is sticking out there. Like, Hey, look, I've got a hand. Maybe it's mechanical. The other thing is the lighting on that. I mean, I don't know if you can see that. It looks like he might be balding, but he's not completely bald. He's got some hair. Hmm. Not to say that Sam Jackson couldn't grow a ring around the dome. True. No. No, especially if he was on the lamb and not like shaving regularly. Well, Right. Um, okay. So let's just talk about this for a second. The, the joke, the joke Mace window has plagued this character for like what? 17 years. Yeah. There is no way I cannot see them going. Yep. He's, he's back and he's dead. And that's just it done. Deal with it. I mean, not when Sam Jackson has voiced his opinions, well, especially yes, yeah, me back in recently. There. Put me in coach. Not like this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I refute that this is Mace window. I don't think it is. All right. Now that takes us to any, did you want to add anything on that Hank before we move on? Oh no, no. I just, I just wondered if you guys had heard that. I, I had heard it too. Yeah, we, we uh, did. I did. And I'm like, nah, I don't think so. No, I don't think so. Comment here from YouTube and it's uh, Hey, it's my wife. Kimberly says he definitely has hair. Um, <laughs> yes, honey. I know you're a hairstylist. You recognize it. I agree with you. There is hair. That doesn't mean that's like, like I said, though, Sam Jackson could grow. He could maybe Mace Windu has ring around the dome and that's why he kept it short. I don't know. And really, is that the, the right hand or the left hand we're looking at? It's hard to say. It is hard to say. It is hard. Okay. I still refute not Mace Windu. Yeah. Not Mace Windu. Okay. <sighs> All right. This is where things get really, really creepy because the implications of what we're looking at, I mean, could point to a few things. The obvious one. As you said, Hank, they are trophies. You know, we've got this little Vader Oscar to uh, represent our trophy. But then there's the more obvious one, and that comes back to what I said. Descriptive audio lady calls them uh, encased in amber, and you just can't help but make the analogy to that other franchise that John Williams scored, and that's Jurassic Park. Dominion just opened. Is the well, there you go. So, is the amber? Uh, are we encasing them in amber to preserve the bodies for their DNA 
Ala, we need material for the cloning uh, process to bring back the emperor. Right. Because he was in More planning stages at this coins. point. Well, this is it, right? We know that the emperor's plans were in place decades before. Yeah. Uh, before he ever came back. So is this, is this an early form of, uh, of what those experiments were or, or part of that? This was just him storing his collection until he right. had enough. Yeah. Well, his fridge. Nur is okay. his fridge. All right. Well, so I'm this. I'll just put it out there right now. I am more inclined to believe that that is the case. That the bodies were stored. They're they're encased in amber because the amber preserves the body. They will not decay, and that you they know, don't have a chance to turn into a force ghost. Well, okay, that brings me to the third part, and this is a this is a big deal. This is a big deal. All the way back in what 2015, Star Wars Rebels, season one, episode five. It's called Rise of Old Masters. Which, by the way, uh, Brent Spiner was a guest voice on that one. Uh, in Old Masters, it's revealed that uh, Jedi Master Luminara Unduli uh, has apparently survived Order 66, and she's being held prisoner um, at a place called the Spire. Now, the Spire, Hanky, you're probably familiar with that through uh, the comic books, because that's the prison that Darth Maul was imprisoned in. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah, it's a like high-level... Uh, imperial prison they they all the top you know uh, i think cad bane was there at a, at a point yeah things of that nature they, they all the it's think of the raft from the marvel universe that's the star wars equivalent of the raft that's yeah. a great analogy so at the beginning of the episode kanan and, and ezra are working on ezra's uh, jedi training it's early on he doesn't uh uh he doesn't oh another comment from youtube it's a follow-up from my wife who says life will find a way <laughs> yes it will that's so true so true okay so kanan and ezra are working on his jedi training ezra doesn't even have a lightsaber yet and uh kanan really questions his ability to be the teacher that ezra needs of course we all know that that turns out to be true uh but kanan doesn't think so so when the when it comes up through the hollow net that uh, luminara unduli is alive they can't help but take the bait and go off to try and rescue her. So they, they sneak into the spire uh, and they find her cell. And uh, when they get there, they open the door. They see that Master Unduli is, is seated there in a, in a set of binders. And uh, it's kind of cool. I actually went back and rewatched this. Uh, Ezra says to Kanan, is it really her? And Kanan says, yes something's wrong and when she gets up she looks up and she has this like confused look on her face she gets up she doesn't say a word she steps into the corner of her cell now in the corner of the cell there is what looks like a sarcophagus she turns her back to the sarcophagus and she kind of does the homer blend into the bush as she backs her way through the sarcophagus and uh whew the uh her visage sort of fades away and all that's left is this emaciated corpse hmm. at which point you know ezra says um what does he say here he's like um i don't understand it the door opens and there's our first introduction to the grand inquisitor who says well it's obvious and uh he actually says uh what does he say he says uh, that even though she is quite dead Quote, her bones continue to serve the Empire, luring the last Jedi 
to their ends. Now, the implication here is that even in death, a Jedi's body still maintains a connection to the Force, the same way that the rock does the ship. That somehow they were able to create a pseudo-Force ghost from that body? Hmm. So that brings us back to full circle. Let's go back uh, to the amber slabs. Is that the purpose of the bodies preserved in amber? Are we using their bodies to lay traps for other Jedi who might be out there? I mean, that's probably one of the many, many sort of perks of having this, you know, it's so layered. Um, I I would Uh, think that big time. The, like the primary purpose would probably be to isolate the DNA and then, and knowing that we need live samples from Grogu much further in the future, um, yep. that this is like a failed experiment. Like the, the, the dead don't work even if they're preserved. in the Yeah. 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 Well, let's, let's talk about the, the, the bodies specifically about the physical composition of the bodies, because the bodies that are encased in Amber look probably exactly like they did at the moment of death. They look like you or I, yeah, well-preserved. I'd like to go one further on you, and I don't think they were dead when they were put in the amber. Their eyes are all open. Yeah, yeah, I like think, they were just I think this poured, is how they flash died. frozen. Maybe, right. this maybe. This is the version of carbonite freezing. Oh, okay, that's a great analogy. I like that analogy. Amen. So it's, I mean, yeah. maybe somewhere, somehow, uh, they're they're not entirely dead, like, you know, Maybe there's a maybe there's a way to free them from this. Can we like, just you know, talk about would... can we just talk about the uh, the nature of the force here for a second and the lost ability to become a forced ghost that was rediscovered by Qui-Gon Jinn and taught mm-hmm. to Yoda, who taught it to Ben, who taught just it to watch that, yeah. What does it take for a dark side user to manifest a pseudo force ghost from a, a light side user? Mm. I like, think that's I think that's less uh, sort of uh, that and more like, um, you know, when you, what, what you get to see, and again, I, I encourage everybody out there to check out the animated series. There's so, uh, you get to see stuff, especially in season six uh, and then moving forward in Rebels. Uh, Palpatine is using uh, crazy witchcraft. Yeah, He's using like really esoteric dark side stuff. He's, we would have called it and in the in in the role playing game. We would have called it Sith sorcery. Right, absolutely. He's yeah. like chanting over, uh, you know, vats of liquid and and like imbuing things with force lightning and uh, singing and chanting, much like the 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 Night Sisters. There's yeah so much we don't understand about the Force, uh, and I think this has more to do with. The way that the Night Sisters return, you know, uh, you know those episodes where uh, the Mother Towson comes back to help Ventress. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's something like that. It's 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 less like being able to. It's more of a spell than an actual Force ghost. Does that does that track? It's it's completely fake. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think there's any vestige of of the Jedi inside. In, especially in this scene. Well, first of all, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say that I don't think that that sarcophagus uh, is filled with the amber substance. I no. think it's completely empty, and that's just like cobwebs and dust that we're looking at through that window. Right. Yeah. But let's yeah. just assume for a second that this really is what's happening. 
let's say it's true. The body. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's say it's true. We are. Force. Yeah. The body by having the body still around, it's still connected to the force. Like all objects, right? Including Luke Skywalker's starship. It's not a living thing. It's still right. connected to the force. Right. Does that play into the construction of the fortress? Well, there is that. As we were talking earlier about this, like about Vader's castle on Mustafar is, is a dark built. side nexus. Yeah. Yes. So if you gathered all these bodies and put them in the base of this fortress, would it act like a sort of beacon for the force? That's entirely possible. Like I couldn't rule that one out. Yeah. I also can't rule out that, you know, let's presume that that is Amber. It's then the process is exactly the same. And they are using the bodies to, to make these pseudo force ghosts. Is that the toll that it exacts on the body? Is that it consumes the body that you can only do it a limited number of times before the body is no more? Maybe. Because that's Possibly. the big visual difference between what we see in, in, uh, in Kenobi versus what we see here in rebels is that the, the bodies, uh, the decomposition, mm-hmm. the emaciated, uh, almost mummified. Yeah. You know, Anyway, this is a, uh, this is, I think one of the deepest, like most interesting aspects of this episode. And I would encourage you as our uh, viewers and listeners, if you guys have a a theory on this that you want to share with us, would really love to hear your thoughts on this one, because I think this is a, this is one that's going to keep fans talking for quite a while, at least uh, until if we ever get an actual, uh, in universe explanation. Yeah. Is it a trophy room or is there something way more deep? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jedi flavored honey. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. Getting back to the episode now. Um, roused by Leia's screams coming from ahead, Ben calls Tala on his comm link. Uh, the desperation in his voice is uh, palpable as he tells her he needs a distraction. When Tala asks him what's happened, he tells her, just do it now, as he runs runs towards the princess's cries. Tala gets up from her terminal and heads off uh, to cause whatever kind of distraction she can, while a terrified Leia screams for help as the prongs of the torture device close in. Reva feigns remorse as she tells Leia she's sorry, but then quickly shifts into anger as she says, you did this to yourself. And just as she's about to activate the prongs on the torture rack, another officer enters the room, interrupting Riva with, I was told it could not wait. So that bipolarness, though, she's still on the fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's Internal like struggle. so on the edge, though. All right. Um, standing in the boardroom of the fortress, uh, Tala waits nervously for Riva uh, to enter. And when she does, we can see that Riva is clearly not impressed with being erupted. This isn't a great shot, but uh, if you look in the background behind Riva, uh, underneath the window, there's a band of red lighting uh, on the wall, and uh, sitting on that is a lightsaber. <laughs> and uh, if you go back, if you didn't see it the first time, go back and watch the episode, because the room is is decorated. The entire surface is covered in lightsabers. In lightsabers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a trophy room. Uh, Tala begins with some rhetoric about uh, Riva leading the hunt for the path, but Riva is impatient and demands Tala uh, just speak. Tala tells her that she was the ranking officer on Mapuzo when the hunt began. Qualifications that uh, Riva reminds her would qualify her to be discharged from service 
as uh, they got away. Not skipping a beat, Tala just plainly says they're on Florum. Now, Florum, for those of you who are not uh, familiar, is a planet out in the uh, Outer Rim, and we were first introduced to it in Season 1 of the Clone Wars. It just happened to be the base of our old buddy, the weak way pirate, Hondo Naka. It's uh, Hondo. <laughs> My best friend, Kenobi. That's right. <laughs> That's awesome that we're like, you know, we are one degree of separation from uh, Hondo at this point. I I would be surprised, especially given that I think this is kind of the the maquette or the, the animatronic from uh, Galaxy's Edge. I mean, that's probably what he's going to look like if we get him in live action. So yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool. One of my one of my favorite uh, things about the I guess modern Star Wars, the Disney era, is the relationship yeah. between Hondo and Aka and Ezra Bridger, and uh. I would do anything for that boy. Just he's such a despicable character, but he's yeah. he's got a heart of gold. He's, Lovable, he's a fantastic character. You know the whole uh, uh, what I guess the term is lovable pirate. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like Yondu. I was gonna. Yeah, there is a you bit know, of Yondu in there. Mary so Poppins, like, y'all. When they when they uh, accuse him of being a smuggler, and he's like, no, 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 no. That's that's beneath me. I'm a pirate. You know. Like, yeah, exactly. Oh, fantastic <laughs> stuff. One of my favorite. Probably top yeah. 10. Okay. All right. Well, cutting back to uh, uh, to the boardroom, Tala continues uh, by saying that the network runs out of the uh, Surtar sector and they use a salvage business to launder goods and render new identities and fly the Jedi out. Now, this is another one of those uh, she's telling the truth moments. You know, the yarn that she is spinning is 100% the truth. Tala says uh, she found evidence before the escape and Riva remarks impressive pressing her point. Tala says that they need to redirect resources there and take out the network at its root. But Riva is shrewd encounters with unless of course you're lying. (laughs) All right. Cutting back to uh, Leah in the torture chamber. She struggles against her restraints one more time. And just like the last time they still aren't budging. Suddenly, the lights go out and the only illumination is from the floor grates and the control box of the torture rack. The two troopers look around in confusion. Suddenly a blue lightsaber ignites and Ben quickly cuts down the first trooper before shutting down his weapon, returning them to darkness. The second trooper now with his blaster drawn shouts, there's no way out. And he adds, stand where you are. As he points his blaster quite aimlessly, I might add. Leia looks on completely bewildered as the Jedi dispatches the other guard with two quick slashes of his blade. Kind of reminiscent of uh, Ahsoka in the Mandalorian. Where uh, she yeah, I thought exactly the same. Light it and up, boom, take out a guy, run to, away. Uh, Fallen Order, there's a scene in Fallen Order that's pretty much exactly like this. Rushing in to free the princess, she, she Leia, beams at him while he removes her restraints. She's like glowingly as she's staring at him and he's like oblivious to it while he's undoing her, uh, her cuffs. I love you. I know. Oh my God. Okay. I'm going to talk about that in a second here. (laughs) Setting her down on the floor in front of him. She says, you're alive. They told me you were dead. And when she tells Ben that she didn't tell him anything, he simply answers. I know. (laughs) I I died. I literally died. I was like, man, it's All not right. lost legacy on me. Line. Yeah, it's not lost on me that not only is it a legacy line, 
um, the lighting in this, this might as well be the carbon freezing chamber. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then Benny says, uh, come with me. I'm going to get you home. I expected okay. Vader at any second, honestly. Well, so I kind of like, did too, yeah. yeah. So did I, yeah. Um, so thematically, I mean, as I said, this might as well be the carbon freezing chamber. And I want to dial in a little bit more on the, uh, the, the rhyme, uh, the, the thematic rhyme here because i love you i know absolutely but not i mean this is in the remember in the last episode are you my real dad mm-hmm. he wishes he could be. i wish i could tell you i was right and that's as soon as he said i know it's the father that he wants to be oh am i the only one who got that no yeah okay good. yeah i just I hate it when I draw things that aren't really there because I just want to know I'm not the only one who got that. Okay. Okay. Uh, I love that scene. That sequence is actually, I almost cried at that. (laughs) Back in the boardroom, uh, the boardroom. Now you can see all the uh, lightsabers on the, on the back there. Uh, Reva faces Tala telling her that it makes sense that the path would have people inside the empire. But what doesn't make sense is how an old man and the little girl escaped an Imperial checkpoint on her planet. And when Reva suggests that they had help, Tala refutes her saying she won't have her integrity questioned in an outburst. Reva demands, admit you're a spy. And Tala says, of course I am. Reva looking completely surprised uh, as she continues her story, telling the inquisitor that uh, she spent two years undercover, trying to find out where they were hidden. Adding that when uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi arrived, they panicked. When Reva questions, you expect me to believe that? Uh, Tala continues saying that, well, she couldn't tell anyone because if she was found out, she would surely have been killed. And uh, she ends with, I promise you, he's on Florum. And again, uh, Tala with the truth bomb. (laughs) Yeah, she was undercover for two years. And you know what happened in that time? She flipped. (laughs) she totally flipped that goes right back to i signed up when the empire stood for something now it stands for something else think about it she's an intelligence officer she's an imperial intelligence officer is she on the same level like this is almost like she's the callus of the show yeah totally i was gonna say that yeah yeah i love it okay then Somewhere in the bottom of the fortress, Ben leads Leia out of the secure sector and down a corridor. Unfortunately, another ID-10 seeker droid spots them and it begins to give chase. And as the pair run from the droid, it begins transmitting an alarm signal. Very familiar one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cutting back to the boardroom, Reva smirks as she bobs her head, telling uh, Tala that she does like a good liar. And Tala's confidence begins to fade. Locking eyes with the spy, Reva says, I don't know if you're lying for me or to me, but we'll see. She orders the pair of stormtroopers uh, to take Tala uh, to interrogation. Now, before she can finish that train of thought, though, we do get that familiar uh, sound of the the Imperial klaxon that we hear on every ship. Uh, yeah. oh, oh. Standard one on every yeah, yeah, yeah. Star Destroyer. <laughs> exactly. That's the one. Uh, what? I guess we heard that on the Death Star the first time. Didn't yeah. We? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They buy all the uh, alarms from the same place. They get a discount. That's right. It's another thing that uh, Soros Soup makes. Yep. Alarms are us. 
All right. Um, in a series of snap cuts, we uh, that we begin with Ben and Leia running from the droid as they uh, call it to Tala, declaring that they're in the open. Then we flip back to Tala, um, and the sudden eruption again. The squelch from the comlink distracts the stormtroopers enough uh, that Tala, uh, in a very unsportsmanlike way, grabs the dude by the helmet, knocking him off balance. Uh, and then she's able to actually snatch one of their blasters, quickly dispatching both of them. Uh, before chiming back to Ben, where are you? And this uh, next sequence, this is super, super cool because uh, as a blaster bolt strikes the wall in front of them, Ben ushers Leia past him while he stops to face their pursuer. With his lightsaber already drawn, Ben begins to deflect the incoming fire. It's not elegant, but it is effective. Then, from the other end of the hallway, two troopers join the fight, and Ben is forced to defend himself on two sides. Leia, meanwhile, presses herself against the wall as tightly as she can to avoid the crossfire. As the blaster fire begins to intensify, Ben begins to relax back into fighting form as he deftly avoids one of the blasts from the trooper while swinging his blade in a wide defensive arc of lightsaber form 3, Sorosu. Sorosu, of course, being one of the seven forms, it is the one that is specifically designed to counter blaster fire, of which Ben is a master of. Or at least he was. It's coming back to him. The skirmish is over quickly, and Ben and Leia rush off. But uh, more troopers begin to funnel into the hallway, and it becomes a fighting retreat. Ben, shielding Leia with his body, deflects more of the incoming fire, and this time... His reflections are way less clumsy, and they are far more accurate. We cut to another part of the fortress where we see Riva leading a squad of troopers. But this is no ordinary squad, because at the head of the column is a black-armored purge trooper. Uh, uh, for those of you who have been with us from the beginning, you guys know how much I was clamoring for this. I wanted this so bad. The concept art showed them off. I mean, I was I almost grabbed my action figure tonight. I was gonna, I was gonna lead with that. And we we've got them. We've got purge troopers, and I couldn't be more more excited about this. Um, purge troopers, uh, they were some of the very 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 last clones to be produced before the cloning facilities were shut down. Most, if not all, of them were actually produced after Order sixty six. And they were used pretty much exclusively by the Inquisitorius in their hunt for Jedi. In the Purge. Yeah, yeah. They were uh, introduced in the Vader comic, mm-hmm. uh, I believe. And yeah, then they great. showed up, what, a year uh, what a year later in Jedi Fallen Order. That's now, great. these are the troopers as we see them in the, uh, the episode. And they actually look quite different uh, than those early uh, early appearances. These ones appear... Uh, a little bit more like they're inspired sort of uh, Vader-esque. Yeah, absolutely. They've got that uh, triangular nose piece and the uh, lower the lower helmet fringe is kind of flared out. And Hank, you said uh, you made a point about them looking a little bit more like uh, the helmets of the um, the sisters. Yeah, absolutely. With that the, the sort of samurai flared uh, back and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and and again, we're four years on from the uh, Fallen Order game, so there's definitely uh, Star Wars armor loves to evolve. Uh, if, if it not, does, yeah, yeah. If not the good guy helmets. 
Well, I'm in this. This brings up a great. Yeah, we're going to talk about that too. That's a great point because the evolution of the the armor. Um, there's a blend here of things going on that we recognize, right? We see the familiar look of the lenses, which look to be like like classic stormtrooper esque. The armor, though, that still looks like clone armor to me. It doesn't look like stormtrooper armor, although. I would say that the knee pads and maybe the elbow pads are a little bit different. Yeah. It probably but, goes back to like the early, like the, like the shadow trooper and the dark trooper. Oh yeah. 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 Uh, just the idea. I mean, I, I, I even painted it a stormtrooper black when I was a kid. I mean, I painted one red too. I was ahead of my time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but there was that idea that like, uh, you know, there was different colored troopers that, and, uh, in that, then you know we first sort of saw that idea in the in the Clone Wars where they'd have a slash of color, and yeah. uh, now I mean now that we we delved you know the pyrotechnic uh, the red uh, on the uh, pyro trooper and the uh, oh yeah the yeah yellow yeah. on the incendiary uh, the, yes uh, trooper and stuff like that just cool that uh, a lot of different flares a lot of different makes sense that it's, it's such a big galaxy it's such a big empire that there would be multiple designations. Right. It's almost yeah. like they're, uh, you know, the, the starkness of the storm, the classic stormtrooper was this like sterile, I mean, mm. well, storm, stormtrooper, like uh, yeah. singular of purpose. There is one kind, Imperial elites. Only now we've, <laughs> we come to well, find you, out that you do oh, get the impression kind of the from a new problem. hope that that's the only, that is standard. Yeah, that's it. Issue, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then you, be, you know, you read the, the literature and the more you get into it, this, the, the stormtroopers, despite their inability to hit a target, are the elite shock troopers. Are the, the elite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you have these tiers above it, you know, uh, like these guys. And this this would suggest the the shoulder pad pauldron would, if that conventions uh, hold, that this is an officer. Yeah, of the purge troopers. One thing we don't get from this episode is we don't get a sample of their voices. So I could not I, I could not say one way or the other if this purge trooper is still technically a clone. But I want to I want to touch on the evolution of them for a second here because. We saw early on in the Bad Batch, we saw the Empire uh, turn to conscripts very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a possibility that when the when they ran out of clones, uh, uh, purge trooper clones, that they they started using elite soldiers and promoting them up to purge trooper to complete or to carry on the hunt? Maybe. Uh, I mean, you look at this and you go, well, easily, you know. And we had said this about Death Troopers too, and it could yeah. be, you know, part and parcel, but it easily could be the the evolution of, of say, uh, crosshair. Oh yeah. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Easily. Uh, okay. Well, let's, t- let's take a look at that because this is, as I say, the evolution of these guys, this is the, the purge trooper as we see in Obi-Wan Kenobi, but to go to the other media ref, uh, source for them, here's what they look like in Jedi fallen order. And, uh, on the right is an image of the uh, clone, uh, paratrooper or the airborne clone. And it is, that's exactly their armor. It is the airborne clone helmet just painted in uh, black and red. Right. Well, I think (laughs) this is actually kind of funny in a, in a kind of a cool way because that sequel or that shot is right out of revenge of the Sith. Now that's, that is an airborne clone, a clone paratrooper, but that's the 212th clone battalion. That is Obi-Wan Kenobi's clone battalion. That's right. <laughs> Making for a very interesting uh, in-universe connection to uh, to the show. Yeah, if they just spray painted these guys up, that could be like a that 
the guy that he just drowned could be known to him. Yeah, really. I tried to explain this to my wife, what the, the helmet thing before I had the image. And I'm like, you know, the Kong toys that dogs like to chew on. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's what I had said. They look like balloons. It's a Kong yeah. toy with no, it wasn't my favorite it. of the, like that version of the, of the, uh, of the helmet. Not my favorite. Yeah. Not mine either, but I love the purge trooper. Oh, the purge I don't know why. It's great. Well, the I idea don't know why, but I do. A, uh, Everything looks sleeker and black. Uh, just troopers that are armed and trained to deal specifically specifically to, with to yeah. repel lightsabers uh, they see we stuff. see them um uh, um i don't know if the, i mean you can touch more on the comic book about this but certainly in jedi fallen order we see uh essentially two variations of these guys they're dressed the same but uh one one sector of them are equipped with the electro staff like we saw uh, general grievous's uh, magna droids use right right and then the other are uh, armed with uh, rifles. Uh, they're they're really relegated to background stuff. They're just like cool looking eye candy in the comics. There's no like they, they don't name any, and they don't really nobody really talks to them first person. Oh, okay. I can recall it anyway. Sure, sure, okay, fair enough. Well, I, I don't know why, but they are a standout uh, uh, oh, yeah. a highlight for me, and I was delighted to uh, to have them along. And I hope we get more of them. I'm sure we will. All right, so uh, rounding a corner, Ben and Leia enter a hallway with uh, large windows on either side of it. Uh, but that's not all, because uh, directly in front of them is another pair of stormtroopers. Well, and this time, they're accompanied by an officer. Ben tells Leia to hide while he uh, fends off the attackers. During the fracas, Ben accidentally deflects one of the blaster bolts into the window, and a crack begins to spiderweb out in every direction as Leia looks on with obvious concern. Well, no sooner does Ben dispatch this latest group of troopers, more begin to pour into the hallway. At uh, the other end... Sorry, you're going to say? Dis- my favorite dispatch of the whole... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I've got a... Yeah, he, I, there's oncoming flyer, and he deflects it backwards, and yep. he's one of the troopers behind him. Yeah. And I was like, oh, he's back, baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, at the other end of the hallway, a stormtrooper squad with its uh, purge trooper leader charge in. Now they're still a long way off, but they are moving very, very fast. Uh, but at least with them being three abreast, only the three lead troopers actually have line of sight and can fire effectively facing the larger threat. Ben uses a downward reverse swing of his lightsaber to deflect the blaster fire from his rear taking out the stormtrooper without actually seeing him. Okay. So that force and this, yeah, (laughs) this is the moment where Ben is closest to his former skill level. So there's a moment in uh, Phantom Menace when I first saw it and I I was, I mean, I was, I was fully adult. I was going to say when I was a kid, but I was fully an adult watching that movie. (laughs) There's a moment when he's the Padawan. uh, It's right at the beginning of the movie when uh, Qui-Gon and him are, fighting the droids on the battleship when yeah. he he like almost like a, like you would like play pool you know he butt ends a laser blast with the tip of his lightsaber from behind him without looking yeah and, and like it i stood up in the theater <laughs> like i went oh my god that's so cool and, and you know the duel of fates hadn't happened yet i said that's the coolest thing anybody has ever done with a lightsaber with ever. a lightsaber yeah and this is so close to that uh like just that was that before thing. qui-gon started melting a door it was just before. I yeah. Mean, I think it's the scene right before, but he, oh man, go back and watch that. Just the tip of his Jams, lightsaber without looking. Bam. Jam oh. a lightsaber into the door. No, that's the coolest thing anyone's yeah, ever yeah, done. Yeah. 
I totally get the enthusiasm because the, I mean, if anything, the prequel trilogy just elevated the lightsaber combat to this whole other, you know, I mean, <laughs> well, it's not we were lost perfectly on me. fine with this. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, we were okay with that. And then, oh my God. A more elegant weapon for a better time. A more civilized age. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, now able to fully focus on the charging column, Ben spots a control panel, and he expertly reflects a blaster bolt into it, causing a set of, uh, of sliding doors to close, almost like sealing a bulkhead on a uh, on a ship. Alea shouts, Ben, the window! And seeing the spiderweb crack spreading rapidly, Ben uses the force... To hold back an ocean, um, <laughs> we've gone from I can barely move a, a uh-huh. few grams of communicator to I can hold back the weight of several million gallons of water. Take that, toxic fandom. <laughs> right. All right. At the same time, uh, uh, the column of troopers are begin working to manually slide those doors back open. Just then, Tala enters the hallway uh, from the other side, calling to Ben as he struggles to hold back the water. Ben tells her to get Leia out of there while he holds off the troopers and the, what, tens of thousands of gallons of water? Taking Leia by the hand, uh, Tala leads her back to the adjacent hallway that she just entered from. Now, Ben, with his focus, which is split uh, between uh, fending off the troopers and holding the water begins to lose his hold on the window, and we can see that seawater is now starting to seep through the cracks. At the same time, the troopers now get the doors fully uh, wide enough that they can actually get a barrel through, and they start shooting. And somehow, in spite of the immense focus required to hold off the water, Ben is still able to deflect incoming fire. Um, Nothing short of amazing in this sequence, by the way. Finally, the bulkhead door is thrown wide open, and the column pours in, Knowing that he can't defend himself against the full onslaught of the troopers and hold the ocean back, Ben shifts his focus and he uses the force to influence the cracking window. A large linear crack streaks across the window towards the troopers and a gout of water erupts into the hallway, consuming the troopers in a wild torrent of water. Water that threatens to kill Ben if he doesn't move quickly. Tala screams, run! And Ben drops what little hold that he had left on the glass, and he sprints down the hall. Tala hits the controls for the door, and just as the wave of seawater is about to overtake him, uh, Ben slips through the closing doors, and the bulkhead seals just in time. Um, I I gotta be honest, I felt the tension in this. I actually thought that the stakes were... I mean, it's his show. His name's on the show. So you you have that safety net, but like, honestly... Um, this was probably the most like, uh Oh, <laughs> that I felt. All right. Looking back through the doors, um, we can see the remains of the squad. There appears to be no survivors mm. despite the ball. Helmets and like a Sarlacc. Pit. Well, there you go. <laughs> despite the ball. <laughs> kind of a reverse moment too. In There's what way? Like Jedi floating in Amber. And now we've got storm oh, stormtroopers floating in water. water. Well, here's a little bit. Do you want to talk about an, an inverse moment? Sure. Uh, and I, this has nothing to do with the water, but I'm uh, sorry. It just reminded me going back to the uh, sequence with the amber slabs. Is it, did you guys pick up that the first image is Ben staring at a friend? And the last image is Ben staring at one of 
Reva's friends. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Yeah. <sighs> totally. Okay. So looking back through the doors, we can see the remains of the uh, trooper squad. There appears to be no survivors. Despite the bulkhead doors being shut, Tala says they won't hold for long, and she snatches the trench coat from the fallen Imperial officer, shoving it into Ben's hand, telling him to put it on as they dash off to make their escape. Now, Back on the main concourse, Tala and Ben, adorned in their Imperial disguises, make their way back to the landing platform. With the klaxon still ringing, the base is on high alert and troops are moving in every direction. And at the center of it all, the fifth brother orders an officer to shut the base down adding that third sister will suffer for this. This is her doing. All the while, completely unaware that his quarry is just a few feet away from him. You'd think the beard would be a giveaway. Well, there's not too many officers uh-huh. sporting any sort legs. of facial hair. <laughs> That's the <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with that guy, but there's something weird going on with that I coat. thought we didn't let aliens in the Empire. That's right. Well, that guy put on a little bit of weight. <laughs> also, his stomach okay. has a child's face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Back on the landing platform, uh, Tala and Ben, with Leia now huddled under the uh, not-so-subtle uh, disguise, make it outside uh, just as the doors are sealed. Tala says, we're almost there, and Leia sneaks a quick look uh, from under the coat. As they make their way past a myriad of troops and personnel, their escape is foiled. As we hear Reva shout from behind, a traitor! Ben, Tala, and Leia all turn to look as Reva marches out of the fortress with a dozen troopers, including two more purge troopers. She exclaims that a child and an old man, was it worth it betraying everything you are? As more stormtroopers move in to surround them, Tala speaks her truth and says, this was never who I was. Pointing her lightsaber towards the trio, Reva replies, then you die for nothing, as her contingent of troops take up firing positions. Ben looks around and uh, takes stock of the situation, and with the sheer number of blasters aimed at them, he knows that this is likely the moment of reckoning for all of them. Uh... Tala, again, I mean, this is now, what, the third time this episode with the truth bomb? Mm-hmm. And I mean, when you put all of that together, um, this is really why I do think she was the standout character this week. I think she was absolutely amazing this week. Yep. All right. And then it, we get it. We get the we get the big uh, the cavalry moment that we kind of figured was coming in the form of uh, a pair of T-47 swooping in with their cannons blazing. The surprise attack is devastating as bodies begin to fly in every direction. One to point out, though, they yeah. got them. They got them surrounded, but nobody opens fire. I guess everybody the... there knows this is Kenobi, and if we kill him, well, Vader's going to be pissed. That you make a great point. Yeah, I mean, nobody is willing to tempt that wrath. That that comes up later. In fact, it's it quite that exact notion saves her life. Yeah, 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 yeah. Reva, ducking uh, and using her lightsaber, deflects the incoming blasts, but her personal contingent of troops are not so lucky as most of them are caught in the initial barrage. Now, with chaos erupting around them, Ben and Tala both draw their pistols, rushing forward, taking down uh, the troops standing between them and the open platform ahead. All right, this is the best look we get at the uh, T-47s that were first referenced earlier in the episode. Of course, the T-47 
as we more commonly know them as the Rebel Snowspeeder. Uh, the Rebel Snowspeeder, of course, was a modified version of the, the T-47 with uh, additional armor and uh, the harpoon launchers added to them. Maybe some heating coils? Yeah, well, yeah, there was an issue with them with not being able to adapt to the cold. The T-47 uh, airspeeder, light airspeeder, more commonly known as the Rebel Snowspeeder, was made by the Incom Corporation, the same company responsible for the... Uh, T-16 Skyhopper, as well as the U-Wing, and probably most famously, the X-Wing fighter. Nice. We get to see them uh, move different than we've ever seen them before. We get to see them Yeah, we do. I love that. Like VTOL uh, craft. Not only is it uh, do they put them in a hover, but I mean, when Wade comes in on that hover, in that hover, he's able to depress the nose yeah. and still stay stationary. That's yeah. true. That is, mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. Another round of cannon fire from one of the T-47s takes down another swath of troops. And uh, from the smoke, Riva emerges dashing toward her quarry. At the same time, Ben and Tala clear out the remaining troopers on the platform just as one of the speeders skids in with a hasty landing. It's, uh, it's Sully, and she pops the canopy shouting, Get in! Um, Do you guys pick up on the way that the thing opened? Kind of mm-hmm. like a DeLorean. It's different than how it uh, opens in uh, The Empire Strikes Back mm-hmm. with the uh, side of the window opening. Reva charges forward, intent on her prey, but then the second speeder swoops in, piloted by Wade. He puts the speeder into a hover and hammers Reva with the cannons, telling Sully, just go. Under heavy assault, Reva can do nothing more than defend herself. With Sully clear, she radios Wade. Uh, wait, radios to Wade, to leave and get himself out. And as Wade pulls away, uh, the fifth brother dashes out onto the platform, shouting at Riva to destroy them. And Riva uses the force to hurl a fuel cell at Wade's craft. And the container hits its mark, and sadly, Wade's speeder erupts into a ball of flame and crashes into the ocean, leaving Riva and the fifth brother to stare as uh, the remaining speeder gets away. Okay, this is the one, again, I I point these things out, and I'm totally okay to put the blinders on, but this one was just too funny not to uh, talk about. Uh, I want to talk about Wade and Sully's flight helmets and how they are uh, 43 years into the future. (laughs) The pilot helmet there uh, clearly is a civilianized version of uh, Poe Dameron and the Resistance uh, X-Wing pilot helmet with the... uh, with the blast shield removed uh, and the visor, obviously. Hmm. Which, you know what? Is it that big of a stretch? I don't know. I mean, no. I, I put some thought into it, and then I'm like, am I overthinking this? Like, At some point, we have to come up with a helmet that doesn't need to be reinvented every 10 years. I, I would agree. But, I mean, what the first time we're introduced to this is in, um, in The Force Awakens, right? You look at that style of helmet and you think that is the obvious iteration, uh, the next iteration of the classic X-Wing pilot helmet. I'm going to do some digging, but I'm sure that that, the first time we see that is in a cut scene from Return of the Jedi. I would love to, yeah. I mean, and if you come up with something on that, and if any of you guys out there who are uh, watching the show or listening in the replay, if you know what we're talking about, hit us up with, uh, with your thoughts on this because... Again, here's another one that's got, I mean, it's got us talking about it. So it's got to have other people talking about it. Mm-hmm. 
but I mean, we see the, the, the blast shield is removed. The visor is removed. Um, they've moved the boom mic to the other side of the helmet, but that is clearly the resistance era pilot helmet. Mm -hmm. Um, and if we're predicating that on a 43 year difference, I actually, (laughs) I thought it would be fun to take a look at some other helmets and see the evolution over the same amount of time. And I put this little slide together here because I thought this will be fun. <laughs> we got on the top, uh, the top row, we've got a, a bunch of helmets, a pilot helmet. Actually, it's the uh, F-35 smart helmet for those of you who are aviation enthusiasts. We have a carbon fiber motorcycle helmet, a carbon fiber football helmet, and a modern Kevlar uh, soldier's helmet. And of course, 43 years from, uh, uh, 43 years an hour past puts uh, that at what, 1979. And there are the uh, appropriate 1979 counterparts, which look, well, they look a lot different. A little bit. <laughs> you know what's funny, though? Um, as you were saying, like, the the not changing or not evolving. Yeah. When I was looking at this uh, earlier, putting the slides together, when you get into some of the other sports that are out there, like baseball, batting helmets. Yeah. Uh, hard hats on job sites. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The evolution is way less yeah. drastic than it is here. Yeah. yeah, yeah, And here's the thing: so if we take that 2022 and we jump forward in time, 43 years, another 43 years. This what will the they best, look like? If this is the best, te- if we've evolved now to the pinnacle, yeah. then it's then then it's easy for Andy's statement to be true. Perhaps that's right. In yeah. 43 years, the pinnacle of helmet will look identical, and perhaps will look the same. That mm. helmet is the pinnacle of helmets. Maybe, maybe. Bicycle helmets haven't changed a whole lot. No, not a lot. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Baseball um, caps. Think, you know, like fedoras. I'll say this. Um, I, I'm getting ahead of myself here, but you'll see it later on when uh, at the end of the episode, when you see Sully uh, sitting down, she's got the soft bomber cap on and mm-hmm. like the helmet is a shell, like a hard shell that's right. slid over top of that. Hmm. Poe Dameron's helmet was definitely not like that. No. Yeah. The first the time we piece. see that too is sort of in uh, with the uh, Talia Lintra character from uh, the beginning of Last Jedi. Right, right. Well, anyway, that was my little. Uh, I thought it was a fun little thing. I mean, if there was one thing that took me out of the episode this week, that is it. And it's such a minor little thing, but I thought, well, what a fun little thing to just sort of go off on a tangent for a few minutes. Well, here's one more tangent. Yeah, for go you. for and it. And the way I, I, the way I figure they dealt with it. They don't show you those TIE fighters hanging from the roof again during that sequence. The, uh, oh, the hanging ties. Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't they send any? Yeah. Why you've got all these ties sitting there ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Classic Star Wars trope. They're getting away. Send two fighters. Yep. We got hundreds of them. Send two. Yeah. But they don't send any. (laughs) No, they don't. But we know why. Yeah. We We do do know why. Yeah. Yeah. And it all makes sense in a minute. Of course it does. All right. (sighs) Cutting back to the boardroom, we see... Darth Vader storm in and uh, anybody else terrified at how fast he moved in this episode? Like, yeah, it's, yeah, it's got the good. speed. We've Especially never seen steps right up to her. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I made a point of that. I mean, I would have loved to have been on the set the day that that sequence was filmed because you know that they shot it from other angles. Mm-hmm. Um, in that moment, she's backed up against the table and she can't go anywhere anywhere no. else. It very reminiscent of when when he does when David Prowse does the same thing and steps to Leia and she backs up into Tarkin and can't yep. go any further. Yeah, can't go there's anywhere. A, yeah. There's a little look of terror terror on Carrie Fisher's yeah. face. Yeah, 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 yeah. Vader wastes no time, force choking Reva right off her feet, 
as he reminds her, you were warned what defeat would bring. Both the fifth brother and the fourth sister watch in silence as the Dark Lord of the Sith exacts his punishment. A sneer creeps across the fifth brother's face as Vader says, I will tolerate your weakness no longer. Struggling under Vader's grip, Reva manages to squeak out the words, I let them go, which, oddly enough, is enough for Vader to loosen his grip on her throat and hear her out. Able to take a larger breath, Reva states, I put a tracker on their ship. Soon, the location of the network and Kenobi will be ours. Lowering Reva back to the floor, Vader says, It seems I have underestimated you. With that, the fifth brother immediately launches into a protest, reminding him that the base was nearly destroyed. But Reva cuts him off with Kenobi is all that matters. <coughs> and this, this is really interesting because at those words, Vader's head snaps whoosh, and locks eyes. Well, locks lenses? Man, he locks eyes. Yeah, yeah. Locks his gaze onto Reva and takes that step as he oh, rushes man. up to her and she's up against the table. Um, now, towering over top of her, he says, There can be no mistakes. You're certain the tracker is with him? And staring up at her master, she quietly replies, Yes, my lord. Where he goes, it will follow. Yeah, Vader is an absolute terror in this episode. And he doesn't do a whole lot. Nope. But I mean, yeah, well, no, no, no. He's like super terrifying in this episode. And I would be like, oh, pants go brown. <laughs> okay. High above the watery surface of Noor, Sully pilots her speeder aboard a large freighter. Uh, once inside the ship, uh, it speeds away through the clouds headed back towards space. I could not identify this ship this week. I, I went through a whole bunch of permutations of what I thought it might be. I've landed on it's Carillion. There it is. <laughs> it's Carillion. It has the design aesthetic of a Carillion ship. It sounds like a Carillion ship, a la the Millennium Falcon. Has that round nose like the, the, the Corvette. Mm -hmm. But I couldn't tell you what it is. All right. Entering the crew cabin, we can see that uh, Sully is visibly saddened. Uh, Roken enters from the other side, and, and he's got a grin on his face. Seeing the downcast expression from Sully, he asks, where's Wade? And uh, all Sully can muster is a very slight shake of her head, no. Then Tala adds, I guess you're soldiers now, after all. By the way, kind of a kind of a dick line for her in that yeah, it's moment. Yeah, a shot. It's almost a yeah. shot, I thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sully uh, sits down in one of the jump seats lining the wall and stares at the floor. At the same time, Tala moves past her and Roken and uh, heads off towards the cockpit, leaving the big man alone with his thoughts. Well, cutting to Leia and Ben a short time later, they uh, sit in silence. Leia stares ahead thoughtfully as she watches Tala offer Sully some water from a canteen. Glancing down, Leia places her hand uh, over Ben's resting in his lap. Ben looks down at the princess with some surprise. And when he sees her look of concern, he gently takes her hand uh, in his uh, to reassure her. Um, there's a whole lot of maturity right here. Like there's this whole like Tala and Sully are sitting across uh, on the other side of the, the crew cabin. 
and Leia's watching them and she's intently watching them. And it's like the gravity of what's just happened is registering for her. And I think she's kind of transferring that sort of, you know, it could have been Ben. Mm -hmm. And then there's this moment where she slips her hand over onto him and it's like, she, yeah, she is now, (laughs) she's now reassuring him. All right. Cutting back to Leia, uh, the camera pan, uh, sorry, sitting back in her seat, Leia manages to crack a uh, slight smile at Ben while across the cabin, Tala does her best to try and comfort Sully. Then cutting back to Leia, the camera pans down and we see Lola poking out from the pocket of her green poncho. The little droid then powers up um, and (laughs) the azure blue of her eye is now a menacing red cut to black yep so presumably obviously the tracker is in lola lola's a traitor now yeah yeah planted there is lola actually a traitor or is that just a visual a visual cue for us to say that the tracking device is inside lola i would say so and it's now active because wherever leia goes ben goes absolutely i mean well yeah 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 could be you think Leia would know, like, hey, my little pet droid, my little bird, my little bird droid has a blue eye. Now it's got a red eye. She would right. notice that, don't you think? Probably. I would think so too. But that's it. That is your uh, that is your full spoiler plot breakdown of uh, the fourth part of uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. What do you guys think? Can't wait, wait for wait next week. Yeah. Um, had more got... time. Didn't it feel like we had more time between the show and the show, if you will, like the airing of the, the episode, episode and, and our, our show. Because we did two in a row, well, the first two, and then we had three days to do the the, the last one. So it felt I got like a little bit ahead of myself to too. Oh, there totally was because okay. when uh, the episode aired, uh, when I got I got up relatively early uh, every day this week, mm-hmm. um, watched it Wednesday morning, and then immediately uh, went back watched it again with the subtitles and descriptive audio. So that that was a, a a little more than an hour out of my day, and then I launched right into. Uh, making my notes and i and i worked i don't know i probably worked uh say eight to eight to six the first day i did put a few extra hours in the the next day but you know it's it it feels a lot better when i can space it out over those days because i can put more i get to put more of my own sort of thoughts into it which i think makes for a better makes for a better show really Thanks for a certain point of view. But I mean, ultimately, you guys are our viewers and our listeners ultimately uh, determine the quality of the show by uh, sticking with us. And I know that uh, tonight we had, uh, oh, I think we had four or five stick with us kind of continuously throughout. A couple of people Wait. dropped in and out. But awesome. uh, yeah, anything you guys want to close on before we uh, wrap it up for this week? I got a prediction for next next episode. Let's, let's hear it. Hail Mary, swing for the fences. Yep. We're, we're going to Dagobah. Dagobah. Really? And we're going to see Yoda. Oh. And Yoda's Yoda's going to, you know, that's, see, the reason I say this, having just watched those Clone Wars episodes just real yeah. quick before we wrap Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Dagobah isn't an accident. Yoda just didn't go there because, you know, I think I'm going to pick Dagobah. Dagobah is where Qui-Gon Jinn learned how to, uh, Project his consciousness path. How he to didn't complete his training. Oh, but it was where De- and, and Dagobah is where uh, he sent Yoda to Dagobah. Uh, Obi Wan sends Luke to Dagobah, but there's a there's a missing part there, if you will, right? Yeah. And that missing part, I think, is coming next episode. 
when Qui-Gon Jinn sends Obi-Wan to, to, to Dagobah. To, to that Are they responding cave. to your building? Uh, no, we're right beside the uh, fire hall. No, oh, you are. Okay, yeah. fair enough. I thought you were getting a police response right to your door. I'm like, did <laughs> no. somebody just did somebody just SWAT Hank? We're on the 18th floor. They they they're gonna have to climb if they want to get me. <laughs> well, I for one uh, would love to see an appearance from Yoda. Um, I don't know if I'm convinced of that. I don't know if that's too big for the story for the we're telling. I, I've never heard it. I've never I've never seen it. I just think that uh, it's. What's coming is the Empire Strikes Back episode, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, I think that, you know, we don't have to spend a lot of time there. No. It might be. Well, I mean, we. It's very organic to me. Dark Side Nexus came up uh, this week. We we talked about that with the. uh, The possibility of the Vader's castle. I don't know. Is the Fortress Inquisitorious a known Dark Side Nexus? I don't know. It could be sitting on one. Two dark side uh, nexus in the in the same. One system. of my least favorite things about canon is the fact that far in the future, Kylo Ren destroys that that cave on Dagobah, meaning I'll never really be able to visit it. So, oh. just like that, like that, like it's not there at some point in the future. That, that right. sort of bothers my heart. Right, 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 right. Oh well, but it is right now. It, in the here it and now, as right. far as Obi Wan is concerned, it is there. And it I mean, if we do, if we do go to Dagobah, there is no doubt in my mind that will play a role. Mm. Yeah, that's my hail mary uh, prediction for next episode. Well, we've only got a few days to wait before we find out. As uh, as of this uh, airing, we're on Sunday night, so we've only got uh, what uh, three days. Three sleepies? Three, no, two sleepies. Two sleepies? Yeah, Sunday sleepies. night, Monday night. Two Tuesday. if you don't three. Two, two if you don't sleep. If you don't Tuesday. go to bed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, listen, uh, this has been another uh, awesome episode, not only of Obi-Wan Kenobi, but of our show here, The High Ground. I hope you guys have enjoyed it. Uh, big thanks to everyone who is joining us uh, and who has stuck with us and who will stick with us. Tell your friends, tell your like-minded associates who like this stuff that we are, uh, we're here every week. And if we're not talking Star Wars, we are definitely talking other pop culture uh, media stuff. We've got a ton of a a huge back catalog that you can go and discover um, as it's being ported over to our new YouTube channel, as well as anywhere where audio podcasts are consumed. We are fandom power. And uh, until we're next public time, and we're friends, gonna be super we are easy to find from now on. <laughs> yeah, definitely easier to find. But until the next time, my friends, for Fandom Power, my name is Wes. I'm Andy. And I'm Hank. And we will see you on the next one. The force Bye will be now. with you. Always. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.